Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every Monday, 5th of October. You see those scenes on the telly. France and, uh, and the water and the... Oh, crikey. Absolutely terrible. Apparently it's heading our way. Is it funny, whenever you get a tour, and it's not really funny at all, actually, if you were these, uh, one of the owners of these cars, literally must have just picked them up and thrown them. Because, I mean, some of the parking is atrocious. I mean, we know the French can't park, but, I mean, for goodness sake. I mean, some of them, they've reversed the car back onto the car behind them and stuff like that. Only goes to prove the force of nature. Heading our way. Heading our way. The sex-mad civil servant who's had a fling with three married officers. Harry's back on the booze again. This time out with the extremely hard-working. I'm surprised she's taken time off work. Princess Eugene, she went out there again. When will this girl get a job? Why don't you get yourself out there and do something, please? And the feckless father owes his family 200,000 quid. Uh, the wife's not very happy. Uh, he's, uh, he's bragging about his high life and everything else. Don't you hate people like that? Uh, Granny goes uh, to war on fines for owners who let dogs off the lead. As, uh, as somebody who goes out with a dog every Sunday in Regent's Park, I have to tell you, there's no end of dogs yesterday. No end of dogs all over the place. And, uh, you know, dogs come up and sniff other dogs. And, um, and then they sort of... And then they go and sniff something. Oh, it's just a nightmare. Really, I don't know what they get out of it. I really don't. Ridiculous. Uh, would you let your man have Botox? Big question in the paper today. There's also, also some poor bloke who's begging, begging for help today. He is one of the uh, small but ever-growing number of men who get beaten up by women. And people dismiss it, don't they? They say, oh, it doesn't matter. Women can never beat men up. Well, she, he, he won the Euro Millions. She's been absolutely a pig of the first order. Dreadful beating him up. And he said, you know, you men need, need protection. He's absolutely right. Um, I like the idea that the Glastonbury tickets, this is for next year. They've sold out in half an hour. They've sold out. I mean, to be honest with you, I prefer to watch bits of it on the television. I'm not really the sort of person who wants to go and sit in a field with a lot of the great unwashed having to share toilet facilities. I don't share toilet facilities. I do not wash in a bucket. I'm a civilised person. And I'd probably have to stay in a yurt uh, because these are the... Or failing that, take a Winnebago and make sure you lock the door. That would be the thing to do, wouldn't it? I mean, have you seen these people there? Apparently, after Glastonbury finishes, they have to sort of hoover up everything. People leave tents, Wellingtons, everything. They just, but, of course, it's become terribly middle class, hasn't it? Terribly, it used to be, you know, yeah, Glastonbury, after Glastonbury. Now it's uh, OK, and everybody is very much yar down there, very much. It's, it's almost a, it's a posh, posh day out, really. You see all the kids waiting at the railway station. You know that Mumsy and Popsy have just dropped them off in the Range Rover. You know! Because you could just tell by looking at people. I could tell somebody's class by looking at them. Couldn't tell Alan Sugar's class. But I know because of his, uh, his writings and everything else, he's working class. And we've always tried to work out on this programme what working class is. I suppose I'm working class, but sort of aspiring to middle class. Because I have, I have what is technically called, I suppose, a middle class job. Well, I think that's what it is. Now I might have to backtrack on that. But uh, being working class stock, I suppose that makes me working class. I need to work for a living. Is that what working class is? Or is working class a level of poverty? Can you still be working class and earn, you know, a decent salary? Or is that, is that not possible in this day and age? Working class, does that mean, because I, I've actually got a mobile phone, I'm not working class anymore. I'm probably middle class. I'm certainly not upper class. I don't, I don't think you can ever join the upper classes. Much as though the Beckhams try, there's no way that they're ever going to drag themselves away from the level which they are. I mean, I don't know anybody in the upper classes who sports tattoos. Nobody. I can't think of anybody in the royal family. Even Harry, and he's, he's slightly off-centre, isn't he? I don't think he'd even have tattoos. Charles wouldn't. Do you think the Queen's got any tattoos? I wonder if she's got tattoos. It's the kind of thing I worry about. 
Thinking like that, that got me drummed out the brownies. Never made it to the Girl Guides. I decided there was... It was not for me, ladies and gentlemen. But I got a driver this morning who is from Romania. He's been here 20 years. And, uh, and he said, at last... I thought, oh, God, here we go. At last, he said, the face behind the voice. So immediately you try and think yourself younger, don't you? Think, thank goodness I'm sitting in the back where it's relatively dark. And I probably look quite good looking. But then when we sort of, we, we completed the journey and he turned around and he shook my hands and said he was looking forward to the programme. So uh, here it is. What it is, he said, you know, you're looking forward to the programme? I said, I look forward to the programme every single day. I don't have a day where I do not look forward to the programme. I do not have a day where I finish the programme and go, God, that was rubbish. I've never, t- I've never had that. I mean, it's not that I'm perfect in any way, shape or form. It's just that you d- I don't think you can analyse things. Some people analyse radio programmes. I've seen them doing it over the years. And it's not for me. You can't sit down and start... Go- we used to have a thing here, age... I'll tell you this now, because I'm not, not talking out, out the brownies uh, anymore. And uh, they used to have a thing where they have air checks with presenters, which means that the producer is expected to take off five minutes of the programme, which he thinks is an indicator of what you do on the show, and then you sit down and you listen to it and you start you start analysing it. We did it once. And I said to the boss, I said, listen, there is absolutely no point in us sitting down here analysing a programme that's been done. I cannot change it. Every single programme is different. So it's, it's a waste of time. If I, was, if I was a terrible presenter, if I was somebody who couldn't string two words together, but I can talk for the country, as you know, then that would be different. But I don't have a problem with things like that. And so he, he did agree that it was a, it's a complete waste of time. So we gave up having the air checks. I mean, some people, if they're new in the business, then you have to have an air check and you say, actually, you wouldn't do this at that junction, you would do this. And you try and explain it to someone. But for somebody like me who's been doing it long enough, there's, there's nothing that my boss could ever tell me that would be different on the programme. Nothing he, he could say would make a difference to the programme. It is, it is what it is. It's a paper review. It's your texts. It's your emails. It's, uh, it's, it's just it's that sort of cacophony of things. I was going to go, do you remember I gave my book to another presenter in this building? Did I mention I got a book? I can't remember if I've ever mentioned it to you before. And, um, and I gave him the book the other week and he said, you've not signed it. And it was sitting on his desk yesterday. So this morning I went down to sign it to Chris. It's gone. It's nowhere to be seen. So somebody's half-inched it. In between yesterday and this morning, the Steve Allen book, which was sitting on Chris's desk downstairs, has gone, vanished. Unless he came in the building and took it. I think it's unlikely. But so- somebody's half-inched it. Couldn't believe it. Cost somebody £8.99, that did. Worth all the money. Worth all the money. Uh, there's also the uh, the story... Oh, I was right about Ola Jordan. Out, out, out. Because what I didn't know... Because I got some poor old person the other day going, oh, hashtag spoiler. Because I, I told people yesterday that Ola was out of the Strictly Come Dancing. Because somebody had sent me a text saying she's out. Well, of course, I, as I don't watch the programme, it doesn't really help. So if somebody says she's out, I go, oh, they've obviously been to see it and she's out. I don't know that what they do is they do the programme on the Saturday, they pre-record Sunday, and so the audience who are sitting in there, they all know that she's out. So there must be hundreds of people who know she's out. And um, and so then I, I... So somebody said, oh, Ola Jordan's out. Well, thank God for that. And then somebody else wrote me a thing, interesting enough, because the bloke she was dancing with, Ewan or something, he's got commitments for the 11th, the 12th of October and something else. So how would he have fitted it in with Strictly? We're not too sure about that. It's almost as if they've actually... I mean, had to get rid of her. She's so boring anyway. And uh, he wasn't any any good at at dancing. But I don't know. If somebody says to me they're out, how am I supposed to know that the programme is pre-recorded for the second day? So there's a hundred... And so someone said, oh, hashtag, you've spoiled it for me. Good, good. 
Good. I was delighted, actually. Delighted to do that. Because it's, you know, you need to get a life. If your entire life... It's, it's like when, when they say, oh, and uh, there's a football match on, but don't tell us. Don't tell us what the score is. I don't want to know. La, 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 la. Like that. You get 3-0. You go, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't want to know these things. And, you know, there's a big motor racing event. I don't want to know. I don't, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I'm going to tell you who won. It's like the Bake Off. I can tell you who wins now. I know who, who's won it. Because what you're watching is, is, a, is, is a, a recording. They're not doing it live. They've actually done the blooming thing. It's all finished. So it doesn't actually make any difference. But people get so... I remember somebody writing to me ages ago. Or the producer's dad is like that with Formula One. If he hears results on the radio, he gets angry. Get a life. Get a life. Seriously. And if your life revolves around... I mean, I thought that's exciting. I mean, the very idea that Ola Jordan's out. Hurrah! I mean, you should have seen it coming anyway, because she can't... uh, She she couldn't manage to get anything out of her, uh, her partner. So you knew that they were going. He'd been arguing before with people. He had to go. So it works in the programme. Didn't need to be sort of, you know, clever clogs to work that one out. So, of course, I was delighted. Who's actually come to her defence? Her dreary husband. You know, the one who they didn't want on the programme, and he was useless. Horrible person on uh, on Big Brother. Horrid on there. And luckily, you know, kicked it. He's now said it was a fiddle and... The, oh, shut up. Dreary twosome. Listen, why don't you just sit back and watch your wife get her baps out for the boys? Because that's what she's doing in her latest calendar. And she said she's going to carry on doing it. Well, if that's the tacky route you need to go, Ola Jordan, you must do it, dear. It's not up to us to decide how you earn your money. If you really think that by taking your kit off and posing in your scanties is something really to be, you know, applauded, well then, bully for you, dear. Bully for you. I just feel a bit sorry that that's about as far as you can go. I'm looking at a picture of you here in her 2016 calendar. She's bare. Well, you know, you can see she's posing with nothing on. My mother had a name for girls like that. Tarts, she called them. Tart. Why do you... You don't pose naked unless you really fancy yourself. And if she's only about that tall... Seriously, I've got Cindy dolls bigger. Oops, what have I said? Um, or anything like that. And then the good news is that some of the groups in the X Factor have said they're going to remain virgins. Don't worry, darling, until, until they're married. I don't think it's going to be an issue to be worrying about any time soon. And uh, Katie Coleman has got the chop last night. As I'm not watching the X Factor, I have no idea who Katie Coleman is. I'm assuming she's sort of... She's a singer of, of, some, of some sorts, and they kicked her out. And then all the other groups have had to change their names because it turns out that they were registered to other people. Other people had these groups' names. And so now they, they've all had to change them again. Why don't they Google before they go on this programme? I mean, it doesn't really matter to me who wins it. I couldn't care less. All it is is a vehicle for Simon Cowell. It's a very good vehicle because he'll, he'll record a few albums, a few singles, and then, then they just disappear. Doesn't, it doesn't make, doesn't make any difference to me who wins. I mean, you know, the fact that Katie Coleman has blasted the X Factor because she got kicked out. You know, she performed The Voice Within by Christine Aguilera, but it wasn't good enough to win a place at the judge's house and she got kicked out. And she said the experience was very cruel. Well, tough for you, darling. Tough for you. I mean, have you seen the programme before? I don't like to be rude about people, but they, they go on a show that's been running for years and then they go, it's really cruel. Well... <laughs> What have you been watching? You know, like, we, we kicked Ola Jordan out. Hopefully that's the last we ever see of her. I mean, to be honest with you, how embarrassing. You know, you're married to this, this bloke, uh, Mr Jordan, and he's happy with his wife getting a kit off and other men ogling her. What a strange relationship that must be. It's quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. See, Andrew, bless his heart, in Streatham, says a lot of Aussies living around at Steve Allen show Twickenham must be sniggering and laughing at him because he supports England. Now, you know that is not true, Andrew. Australians can't afford to live in Twickenham. They have to go and live in cheaper areas like Hounslow and places like that. 
possibly even Streatham. That's fairly cheap, isn't it? Used to be known as Home of the Hooker, wasn't it, Streatham? A friend of mine used to live there, and he had prostitutes in his road, up, walking up and down the road. The high street in Streatham, I'm surprised you managed to get backwards and forwards, Andrew. But no, we don't have any Australians in Twickenham. It's far too expensive. We're far too upper class or middle class. Some of us used to be working class. Apparently, working class means uncultured, ungenteel. They travel second class on any train. We only have second class on our train. We don't have any. We don't have classes on trains. Do you remember first, second and third? First, second and third on trains. I can remember that. First, second, and then we used to call it cattle. Dean says, what do you mean by I'm not perfect? You are. Well, I'm the nearest thing to it. Nearest thing to uh, to perfection. Uh, I didn't see the Christmas films on Channel 5, Graham in Bradford, because I have every Christmas film. And I don't like modern Christmas films. I like old, traditional Christmas films. I'm a little bit old-fashioned. Uh, Ian says, uh, Lord Sugar makes the poverty statement. He has a book on sale. I wonder if the two are connected. Of course they're connected. You know that. I know that. Uh, Rob says, hasn't Mr Peter Andre won the dance programme yet? What a star he'll be. Rob, of course, is languishing in Luton. I think it's some sort of halfway house, or it's certainly some sort of rehab that he's in. Uh, he, he won't be a star. He's way too old, and he's too slimy. He's too sort of greasy. There's not a lot you could do with him. He might be able to dance on there, but uh, he loves his kids, as we know that, which is great. And he loves his wife, and we all love her too, because she's so lovely. He keeps telling us just how lovely she is. I like the sausage roll story this morning. I do like the sausage roll story. Uh, all who have to work for a living are working class. Plus, Camilla Parker-Bowles has a tattoo. Yeah, well, she, she's not upper class. She's not upper class. No, just because somebody's got double-barrelled name. You see them on the Jeremy Kyle show. You know, Kylie Hick, you know, Liberace, whatever they call themselves. They've all got double-barrelled names there. It's, it, generally speaking, is unless they're sort of honourable or something like that. Oh, sorry. And Camilla Parker-Bowles um, is, uh, is it, it's not that culture. Let's face it, she was having an affair while she was still married to Andrew Parker-Bowles. So I don't think there's anything clever about that. Uh, put Drake. Podrick's out this morning. He says uh, Clapham is the place for Australians. Thousands of them. Thousands in Clapham. It used to be, there used to be an Earl's Court party. Uh, because you used to get, uh, and the Irish as well. So there were loads in Harlson. The Irish and Australians mixed a lot. So Clapham. Wow. You've got your, your pick of them, have you? We're all going out to tea shortly. Well, I say, not shortly, Mason get a bit panicky. Not actually this morning we're going out for tea, but we're going, uh, I think we're going up the Shard. We're going to have tea up there. We've never been up there. We've been to loads of top London hotels. God, we've had some teas. God, we've had some teas. Some really good... T- There's one thing I like doing in, in town. And you know that for Make Some Noise, I'm offering afternoon tea. And at the moment, I seem to be doing financially better than, uh, than Nigel Farage, who's also offering... I think he's offering lunch. And that did really well last time. Nigel Farage going out for lunch with somebody. I mean, that was... I forget what that went for. Huge amount of money. Huge amount of money. But it goes to a good cause. So I'll tell you about that a little bit, uh, little bit later on. Uh, my shopping list. Paracetamol, 35 pence. Plastic bag, 5p. Needed for my recycling to be effective. Oh, and I've only got 35p on me, so I'll have to leave it. You see, I think... I mean, uh, uh, my friend Paul Cooper, who's got the greengrocer, he has carrier bags, and he offers them to everybody. It was like a bag for that. He doesn't charge because he doesn't have to because he's got uh, less than 250 staff working for him. But any of the supermarkets, they have to charge. The chemist will not charge you for a carrier bag, because they don't have... Unless, well, Boots, the chemist might. 
because they've got more than 250 staff. But the independent chemists that, that I go to, Goods in Twickenham, they won't have to charge people for the carrier bags. They have to pay for that. It's a bit, it's a bit, a bit one-sided, isn't it, really? Because they have to pay for it themselves. They've got to buy the, the carrier bags to give to people. And if you have them printed. Luckily, Paul Cooper doesn't have them printed, so that's OK. But they still cost him money. Uh, the Aussies are gloating. Difficult to tell with all the Aussies when they're gloating. As uh, England merchandise is flogged cheap. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine that. There's all sorts of bits that you could get, you know, well done England, England shirts and everything. But, but you know damn well that, uh, that the stuff is going to be going cheaper. But then why would you want it now? It's only, it's only applicable when, when the thing is on. And that's why I don't, nobody really cares. As I say, it still brings a tear to the eye. Um, <clears throat> another one here. Samantha Cameron has a tattoo, says Andy. Yeah, but, but she's not class, is she? She's just Samantha Cameron. She's just the wife of the Prime Minister. I don't think you think about them as being a class, do you? Uh, Les says, third class on a train, sitting on the roof. Certainly is in India, isn't it? Certainly is in India, where people cling onto the side of trains. And uh, it, uh, to be honest with you, it looks, it looks fairly dangerous. Every time I've actually seen it, I thought to myself, people could fall off, couldn't they? It could be very dangerous. Will all the old free plastic bags become collector's items, says Ian? Could be in for a nice windfall. Uh, I, um, I save carrier bags. I never take them when I go out shopping. I use them for rubbish. I literally I'll buy a 10p bag because I'm that rich. 10p seriously doesn't mean anything to me. I've, I can find 10p walking around the office if I rifle through people's bags. Anyway, and, uh, and so I, I'll, I'll buy a bag and then I empty the stuff out of it and then I hang it up on a hook in the kitchen and use that for rubbish. I don't have one of those Brabantia bins or anything like that. I'm not that posh. And I just think it's I'm, I'm recycling, I think. And, uh, and I quite like it. It's so much easier. Then you just take the bag off the hook. And if there's too much stuff in it, then they put it in a big bin liner. I, I buy, you know, a roll of bin liners. I like doing things like that. I've got, but I can't recycle. I've told you before, recycling and Steve Allen do not go together. I can't be bothered to sort it all out. I know people sort of say, oh, you're on the radio. You should be recycling. And I always go, mind your own business. It's got nothing to do with you. Uh, what do we have here? George Clooney. Every, never, every day, there's another picture of George Clooney going out on the town with a mole. Who's the uh, the missus, which is okay. I don't mind that. It's just uh, we we had this discussion yesterday on uh, what's he famous for, and apparently he was in ER uh, because we couldn't work out how he'd got 180 million quid, 180 million pounds. I thought that'd be nice. I was saying that to my driver this morning. Dollars, sorry, 180 million dollars, which we worked out was 112 million pounds. Isn't it funny? You can remember certain things from yesterday, and it asked me what I did two days ago. I couldn't tell you. I have to sit down sometimes and go. What did I have for tea yesterday? What did I? And you think just, and then I think sometimes I wake up in the morning. I think, did I make all my phone calls? Because I have to make three regular phone calls every every day. I phone three pe- the same three people every day. I always, I never a day goes by. Well, very rarely does a day go by where I don't phone these these people that I've known for ages and ages just for just for catch up for a gossip. And yesterday I was sending all text messages out, and uh, uh, my friend Jez did a run the other day for charity, which is a bit of, bit of a downer for me because it means I have to pay the money because I, I sponsored him. I sponsored him for a huge amount of money, huge amount of money. And, uh, and he apparently overran. He actually ran more than he should have done. So I need to have a word with him this morning. I don't want people doing things like that. But uh, he's actually fit. To look at him, you wouldn't think he was fit. He, he doesn't look like one of these super fit people. But we were in Regent's Park yesterday and there was another race taking place there with sort of people of his sort of age, the forties, <coughs> and um, and he was forty-two. <laughs> he um, he was sort of uh, running, and at the same time, all these other people are running in Regent's Park. And as they ran past me, I kept thinking, I could do that. 
And then within a minute, I'd completely forgotten about it. You know, I don't... One of the, one of the guys here, as you know, Chris Lowry, the weatherman, he's leaving to go and start a new life in Spain, which is kind of, I'm sorry, which is kind of like a, a big, a big thing. And, uh, and it's, and it's lovely, but he's super fit. I mean, he is super fit so much so that for make some noise, he's having three exercise classes. And he said to me the other day, he said, are you going to come to one of my exercise classes? Well, I couldn't stop laughing. I could, I said, there's listen, I could die in an exercise class. I cannot do it. I think it's a modern day trend. I think it's a modern day trend. I'm totally convinced that there are that there are oh here we go that there are people who sort of that, that's Jez. Tell me that, oh, oh he was practicing the charity runs next week. He was practicing. Oh, well, you know what they say. Uh, but I I think it's a young person's thing now. I'm totally convinced that that people who who run uh, or or who go go to the gym it's definitely a thing just for them because I can't do it. Stephen Milne. He says, uh, he, because he works on the television, he does jewellery channels and he does the other things. And uh, he's been listening to this, but when he does the overnights, he listens on the way back. And yesterday I got um, Phil, uh, Fern's other half, Phil Vickery, who's started following me. He said he loves the programme. Anyway, Stephen Mills says, when I moved to the UK, I lived in Earl's Court, then Clapham. Now I'm in Canary Wharf. He said, and I won't mention the rugby. I think not too. I think not. He's Australian. But he goes to the gym. I bet he goes to the gym probably three times a week. You can always tell people who go because on the television they can wear really tight shirts, and and they don't they don't look like darts players. Whereas I I look like a darts player, who can't play darts either. But people look like they go to the. You look at them and you you would look at Stephen Mill and you go he goes to the gym. You look at Chris Lowry and you go he definitely goes to the gym. And Chris Lowry goes every day, seven days a week he goes to the gym. It's a, it's an addiction an addiction he goes there he does spinning classes he does everything but do you remember i uh, he lives down in uh, essex and we went down there one weekend and there was about 10 or 12 of us and we went to the local pub and uh, when i've had a few drinks uh, i've become incredibly generous i start buying people meals and dinner and everything else and so we had food in this pub and i said uh, i'll tell you what i'll do just to sort of ease us into it there's nothing that i like better with drinks than a bowl of chips and so i ordered i think like 10 bowls of chips well, we had to practically hold him down to put a chip in his mouth. He won't eat anything like that. He's so good about what he eats, whereas I'm completely rubbish. And so that's why his body is... A, he's literally got a six-pack. He has the washboard stomach. He has the body that, inside mine, is kind of hiding a little bit. He's, he's even fitter than Stephen Milne. I mean, he's super, super fit. That's why he's doing the classes to make some noise. And I need to tell you the time because we get into trouble with, uh, with Charles. We don't hit it on the day. He's sitting there for ages and, you know, decorating. And he needs to read the news because he's got other things to do. So I'll tell you it's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Actually, I was just looking through Stephen Mill's Twitter. I love looking through people's Twitter photos. I'm terribly nosy. I can't help it. If somebody starts following me on, on Twitter, I immediately check out the photos that they've got online, and you wouldn't believe some of the things. Anyway, luckily, uh, obviously Stephen loves uh, Christmas, because I think he actually had a huge tree last year, but it certainly looked quite big. And, uh, and he's, he's printed a picture of somebody's Christmas department with the headline, And It's Begun, because I, I've, I've bought Christmas lights. I have bought Christmas lights already. I can't get... I don't call them Christmas lights. I just call them lights. I just like lights. You know, if, if, I, if I could live in... Um, is it National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? I would live in it. Snow, lights, uh, everything. I watched a programme on YouTube the other day, and I will happily admit to you, 
that I wept like a child. And I found it quite by accident. And what what is the premise of this programme? I'll tell you I'll tell you how it works. They have a setup. It's a hidden camera show, but a hidden camera show to find out how people react to homeless people. So they have an actor who is playing a homeless person sitting outside uh, a place and they have another they have an actress and she comes and she gives him twenty dollars. OK. And she says, you must come in here. I'm going to pay for you to have some lunch. And so they go in there. Now, the barman is also in on it as well, but there are genuine customers. And the idea is to see how they react to the scenario that plays out as follows. She gives him the $20. He's, this homeless man sits at the bar. He's going, thank, thank you very much indeed. And, uh, and the woman says to the barman, listen, there's his $20. You give him whatever he wants to eat. OK. So the barman goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The moment the lady leaves, bear in mind the barman's in on it, the woman's in on it. It's the customers who are real. And uh, and the, the barman goes, listen, pal, uh, go and find a homeless shelter somewhere. Get out of here. You're not staying in here. It's upsetting customers. And there's a bloke sitting next to him. And, and the barman says to him, he said, he, he's upsetting you, isn't he? And the bloke goes, no, he's not upsetting me. And he says, listen to the bloke. He said, you have to go. He said, you smell. Get out. He said, I don't want you in here. And, uh, and it's interesting to watch the reaction of some of the people. Because this guy, at one point, the barman, who's in on it, remember takes the $20 and says, I'm, I'm keeping that because you'll only spend it on booze. And the guy sitting at the bar who's having his soup goes, give him his $20 back. Give him his, tw- give him his $20 back. And the barman goes, I'm not giving it back to him because he's going he's gonna to waste it on drugs and booze. And, and the homeless man goes, I'm, I won't. I won't do that because he's in on it as well. Remember, he's part of the team. And the bloke who's eating the soup goes, I'm going to call the police. You give him his $20 back now. That's his $20. And it becomes a very interesting scenario of what and it reminded me when I gave that girl 10 quid who was foraging outside for cigarette ends and I just had an overwhelming sense of you know she's got nothing whatever I've got it's a million times more than she's got and they had another scenario and so I'm, I'm, I'm watching this and it was so interesting to see people who wanted to help this homeless man and the guy at the bar, at the bar is saying to the barman he said haven't you ever been down on your luck Haven't you ever had a day where you thought it was all going wrong? Haven't you ever had a day where, you know, you were hoping that a bit of human kindness would stretch out to you and go, listen, that's for you. That's for you. One of the guys in there, he um, he said to him, said, give him a drink. Just give him a drink. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. The barman said, I'm not giving him a drink. He said, you give him a drink. Anyway, he pushed his own drink. He said, you have that. And the, the homeless man who's the actor is going, thank you so much. Thank you very much indeed. And everybody starts crying. Well, I mean, I, I, I tell you now, they, they tried another scenario. In America, they have things, might have them here, I don't know, food stamps, where if you're hard up, you get these food stamps and supermarkets take them. So it's quite a big thing in America. A lot of people have food stamps. So this woman gets to the counter. She's the actress. The woman on the till is in on it as well. It's only the customers who are genuine. And the woman gets there and she hasn't got enough money. And the woman behind the till says, you haven't got enough money. You're short $16. And she says, I haven't got $16. She's the actress. I haven't got $16. She said, I've got four, four children at home. And she starts getting quite emotional about it. Well, I tell you, your faith in human kindness could not have been better served because a woman standing next to her got her money out and went, you have that. You have that. And I put myself in the same situation. Would you do it? If you were standing 
in a supermarket, and there was somebody there, and they said, I've got four, four children at home, I haven't got enough money for food, and I just, I'm $16 short, and I don't know what to do. And then somebody else in the line goes, you have that. There was one bloke, they, the camera homed in on a big hulk of a man, and he stood there, and it was with another woman, and, and he, he took off his, his roll of money, and he took out the money for his groceries, and he gave her the remainder. He said, you have that. Well, I'll tell you, he had to pick me up off the floor. It was just an amazing act of human kindness. It probably comes under homeless on YouTube. Acts of kindness, something like that. You have to watch it because it just, it just is so fantastic. And I sat there sobbing, thinking, I think every day. In fact, one of the people said, he said, it, it, it pays dividends. The big bloke who'd given over the remainder of his money. Could have been 20 30 $40. I have no idea. Whatever it was, it was an act of kindness. And he said, listen... I've done that, he said, but then somebody will do an act of kindness for me. He said, I'm a firm believer in you get it back. You get it back fourfold. And I thought, you're so right. I don't give to homeless people. I've said that before. Somebody sitting by a cash point with a dog on a rug, I never give to. I don't trust half of them. I'm not sure whether they're going round the corner, as has been proven before, and uh, got into a car and driven home because it's a business sitting on a rug. You don't, they just, at one time, they held signs up plaintively saying homeless. But so many, of course, aren't homeless nowadays. If you want to see the homeless ones, you can go round here and see them sleeping in doorways. That's the difference. And so when you watch this act of kindness, it does kind of... It's just... It's like watching a Christmas film. A Christmas film with a happy ending where, you know, you burst into tears because it's so lovely. You want everything to be so perfect. And yet it isn't perfect. You open up the papers on a daily basis. Some of the stories are so dreadful, you can't believe it. You know, over in Syria, they're crucifying Christians. Crucifying. And people are standing there looking at the, these people who are hanging from crosses. And you just... Is this the real world? Am I in the real world? Small wonder we all get upset and we get angry about things. When you read what... You know, and you get Josie Cunningham on the front page of the papers yesterday. And you think to yourself, why don't you just sod off? Why don't you just go away? You serve no useful purpose to anybody. You're just so awful. So, so dreadful. Um... Another one here. Now we've got that off my chest. I feel much better. And uh, wait a minute. Um, one here says, why do people insist on talking to me first thing in the morning? Takes me an hour to get going, says Stephen Sudbury. You see, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm quite good first thing in the morning. I don't have any problem with people talking to me first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning is great for me. That's, uh, I'm at my best. I'm at my best. I'd have to be. I've got this, this job to do every day. We'll be talking about, uh, about jobs. Um, apparently, Surbiton, Queen of the Suburbs, is where Victorians house their mistresses. What's Twickenham's vice, says Ian? I don't think we have a, a Twickenham vice. I don't think we had it. We have had prostitutes around there. But we, managed, we managed to get rid of them fairly quickly uh, because there's, there's no business around there. There's no Australians. And um, so it's me and the Australians again, honestly. Oh, that'll be a letter. Dear... Sir or Madam, Steve Allen mentioned Australians this morning. Well, I mean, the fact that most of them were over there on these penal colony ships, you know, that's where they all started. Mind you, they did give us neighbours. They did give us Jason Donovan, so for that we should be grateful. And they did give us the Australian rugby team, which I don't really want to go into at all this morning. Uh, I'll bring you the weather later on. I will tell you the story about the sausage rolls. The sausage rolls is another one of these ridiculous PC stories. You know, when you get a PC store and you think, this is just crackers. Who's going to be offended by a sausage roll in a fridge? If they are, get rid of them out of the company. Uh, Alice says, if Spagbol is putting out an album, will it be available in Iceland along with Pretty Boy Pete? Because you remember last year, Pretty Boy Pete brought out um, Pete's Christmas album. 
which was sitting in Iceland for the whole of the Christmas period. In fact, I don't think they sold one copy in Twickenham. Well, if they did, it was it was well hidden from Steve Allen because I was going in there on a regular basis. Just to have a quick check and see if it was selling, and then and then one copy was sold. I know that because it was uh, it was given to me, and that's about as far as I'm going to tell you about it. So I do have a copy of uh, of Pete's Christmas album because I'm that kind of person. Um, everybody's talking about uh, poverty, uh, which is very interesting, and uh, and I see that Ashley Tabor is catching up on uh, At The X Factor in L.A., the six-chair challenge. Brutal, he says, but amazing television. I don't know what the six-chair challenge is. Do you know what it is? Is that where they sort of sit there and then they go, right, you're out? And they take... Is, is it like, you know, we have musical chairs. You remember musical chairs? And you danced around when you were young, 33. And, um, and then somebody took a chair away and then it became like fisticuffs to try and get the last chair. Could be like that, actually. Could be like that. Who knows? As I'm not watching the programme, I always think if you actually come up, then it's sort of, you know, it's, and sort of watch the, the sort of thing. You just do it once, I suppose. Uh, a random act of kindness. I do one a day. Makes me feel like I'm helping. Yeah, I think you should do something every day, even if it's talking to somebody, even if it's talking to somebody. And uh, Les says, I often help somebody out at the till if they're short buying booze in Luton. <laughs> well, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be buying booze in Luton. I think that's disgraceful. I should, you shouldn't really buy booze for people, should you? But I've seen people bought things like um, McDonald's and stuff like that. One of the other people in this homeless thing, uh, one of the guys who'd uh, had the row with the barman, who was the actor, remember? And they, they, they do explain it to them afterwards. But there was another one. Oh, there was another brilliant one on there, which is the, uh, the hidden camera thing. And it's the guy. And he goes up to this homeless person, a genuine homeless person. And this uh, black guy is sitting by the side of the road in Los Angeles. And the bloke goes up to him and he says, he says listen, he said... I haven't got any money, he said, but I've got this winning lottery ticket. And so he gives him the ticket, and the bloke goes, well, thank you, thank you so much, that's really nice of you, thank you. And he says, well, take it into a shop. So they go into a shop. The shopkeeper's in on it as well. Of course, I mean, it's not a winning ticket. But he says, yep, congratulations, that's a winning ticket. It's $1,000. So this homeless bloke goes, $1,000? dollars he goes, yeah, you've just won $1,000. Now, what they do on this programme is they then go, oh, it's only a joke, it's not a winning ticket, blah, 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 and they laugh at the person there because they do cruel programmes. In this particular case, the homeless bloke bursts into tears and they don't know what to do. They're a bit stuck. The bloke who's conducting the, uh, the interview with him, oh, he doesn't know it's, it's being filmed, it's hidden camera, he goes, and then he starts crying as well. The shopkeeper who's in on it, who's handed over a 1,000 quid, it's all, it's all predetermined. And then, and then the homeless guy does something that they really weren't expecting. He, he turns around to the guys giving them a ticket. He said, he said, here, you must have half of this money. He said, thank you. He said, I've never had $1,000. He said, you must have 500 Well, everybody bursts into tears at that moment. It's just amazing. And he gives the money back. He said, and then they let him walk out. Normally, they would then chase after him and say, listen, it's only a TV program. Give us the money back. But he said, on this one, he said, we didn't tell him. He said, we decided to let him believe that he'd had a winning ticket and he, he was able to keep the 500 And I thought, and that's a good television programme. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 12 minutes to uh, 5. Stephen Mills says he's actually going to check out these uh, these videos on YouTube. He said, I'll be a mess. He said, I, I cry at the Tesco commercial. So this kind of thing will really set me off. I mean, they're, they're so... i tell you what else is very good as well. 
which also is guaranteed to make you blub. And I like a good cry. I think it's very healthy to have a cry. And do you do the same as me? Whenever you cry, do you rush to the mirror to see what you look like when you cry? You know, because some people, the face screws up. You think, oh, you don't look very good when you cry. So I'm trying to sort of maintain an air of sort of, you know, I'm in charge of everything, but you can still cry. Which, of course, never works like that, because your nose starts running and it, it all starts going to pieces. And then you forget you needed to go to the toilet. And then and when that starts, you might as well give up on life. But there's another one as well, which is American servicemen coming home and, uh, and to see their kids. And there's a really good one of an American serviceman who's come back from, uh, from Vietnam, I think. And his little boy has just been given an award at school. Bear in mind, all the teachers are in on it. The school's not in on it. And the little boy certainly isn't in on it. And he's there. And uh, he's on stage. And they give him his award. And they say, the award goes to so-and-so, so-and-so. And and then his father appears at the end of the hall. He's going to walk through the assembly. This little boy, it it is daddy, my daddy, all over again. You know, which you remember from the railway children. He races down the hall and throws himself. Bear in mind, they've not seen each other for for probably quite a few months. And uh, he's sobbing. Oh, God, I tell you, just uh, I can get through a box of Kleenex of a weekend quite easily. Quite easily. Uh, Don't talk about classes, says Rory. And which class you aspire to? Well, I need to know. I want to know. It determines whether I have a headstone or I'm put out with the rubbish. James O'Brien calls himself uh, a socialist. Does he? But there's no single show he wouldn't mention uh, that he's middle class. You think he's you think he's middle class? Oh, I don't think he'd see himself as middle class at all. Oh, well, I don't know. He might do actually. I think he probably would actually. I think he would. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like it actually. <laughs> I quite like the idea of, of people. Isn't it funny? Out of all these things, I mean, the other day Christo was still talking about Uber cabs. I thought, oh God, you've got a death wish, haven't you, with Uber cabs? But uh, the driver I had this morning, he'd been with. Uh, Addison Lee for about 13 years, I think, which seemed like a lifetime, an absolute lifetime. 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk and uh, we'll put them all all in this morning. And um, there's one here that says, thank you for mentioning the Christians being crucified. You care. I, c- I couldn't believe I was looking at the picture of it the other day. I could not believe I was looking at a picture which was in the national newspapers yesterday of two men and who were bloodied and hanging on these small crosses, and there were people standing in front of them. One of them had his phone out taking a picture. Taking a picture. I mean, I, I, I just can't get my head around. I and mean, a small wonder I sometimes get very angry. Sometimes, you know, get very angry about these. You think, that's somebody's life. I don't care who it is. That's somebody's life. If somebody's done something, you know, if they've, if they've committed an atrocity, if they've done murder or things like that, or they've butchered a child or anything, well, then, as far as I'm concerned, they do deserve to die. But just for being a particular faith. Just for being a particular faith. Somebody says the beggar was an actor as well. Yes, I've just pointed out the beggar was an actor, yes. Not in the second one. In the second one where they gave him the winning lottery ticket, he was, he was a genuine beggar. He was, he was genuine. We knew that because that was the whole basis of the, of the programme. But just going back to the, to the Christians, being, you know, for people to stand there, young people, and watch people being crucified, I just... These people are sick. These people are sick. Uh, there was the other story, wasn't there? In fact, it, it appears in one of the papers today, and it's with our, uh, our old friend... And uh, that's Lord Ashcroft. And he's done a, a bit on Violet Zabo. Now, you know that he bought her Victoria Cross when it came up for auction. Because I said that if anybody was going to buy it, he should buy it because he has the money. I thought the, the book 
that was done, uh, knocking Cameron and the pig's head and all that, I thought that probably did him no favours. And I said on air at the time, I don't think you've done yourself any favours with that one. But with the uh, with the sort of, you know, buying of the stuff and at the natural, uh, sorry, the Imperial War Museum, he's got a room dedicated and uh, Violet Zabo's uh, much-deserved medal collection will go on display to the public, which is as I predicted. She's only one of four women to have got the George Cross. She was only 24. They had to ask the firing squad, whether or not they minded executing a woman. And uh, Victoria Zabo uh, was arrested. Uh, She was continuously um, abused when she was in... She was in uh, Ravensbrook camp. This is 1945. And then sometime between the 25th of January and February the 5th, they don't know the exact date, but she and two other women were taken out to the execution alley. They were read their death sentences, and five months short of her 24th birthday, she was shot in the back of the head, and uh, she died. But the film that came out about her showed her her daughter, Tanya. Her daughter, Tanya, uh, went to Buckingham Palace to collect her mother's George Cross, and it was her daughter that sold them because she might need the money or something like that. They're just medals. They sit in a drawer. They can be seen now. They will be going into the Imperial War Museum. And um, and so they're in a safe place. So people can see them. They're being just shoved in a drawer. But it was the act of that little girl going to Buckingham Palace to pick up her mum's George Cross, which I think affected a lot of people. And the film uh, that came out was really super, really super, super. And again, another one of those weepy, weepy films, uh, which, which we like so much. I think that's why this programme does well, you know. I think we're all of the same people. Uh, Anna says, I've stayed at the Shard on the 42nd floor. The view was amazing. How many floors are there? in the Shard. Do we know how many floors there are there? They were talking about the views in the um, in the apartments, which are apparently absolutely stunning. 73 floors. <gasps> Don't you love that idea? Don't you love that idea of 73? I mean, I would, I would quite like to live in the Shard, or up the Shard, or whatever you call it, uh, but at the same time, I've got a fear of heights. And I was so worried that if I, if I went to the edge and I leant against the glass, it would fall out. I don't know how it stays there. Is it super glued in? Or so? I mean, how does this glass on the side of it? I saw them building it. I get ill looking at the building. And I've stood underneath it and looked up very high. Very, very high. Very, very nice. I quite like the London skyline at the moment. In between all the blasted cranes everywhere. We've got cranes. You've been at the top. You can go up to the top, can you? Oh, the elements. Not for me. The people go up there. See, I've, I've been to the top of St Paul's. That was bad enough. I sort of spent most of my time against the wall thinking, oh, God, say it breaks. And I thought, no, no, Christopher Wren built them quite well, these things. But the interesting thing going up St Paul's, I've said before, is at some point, if you're, if you're slightly large, it's a bit of a squeeze because it's a little tiny staircase that goes round, which is stone, and they've got all the graffiti from all Wren's... Um, craftsmen. They put graffiti into the wall of the year they built it and stuff like that. And then you go over the dome... There's ladders over the dome, and you can look down and see the floor, and you think, oh, my God, Fathers. I'm, I'm not even very good at the whispering gallery. I'm so, again, I'm sort of, you know, against the wall, pressed into it, thinking, perhaps this, perhaps this might save me. But, uh, but heights, I'm rubbish at. I'm just, I'm absolutely the worst ever. I, don't, I can't even stand on a chair. It's funny, that, isn't it? I wonder where that stems from. Because I see people that don't have a fear. You know, there's this new film out, which is on the, the tightrope walker who goes between the Twin Tower. I got ill watching the trailer. Watching the trailer, my hands went all sweaty, and I'm thinking, how could you ever get up there? And this is like, there was no safety wire. 
All he's got is a pole, isn't it? Which apparently balances you. Well, I mean, I felt ill thinking about it. I've seen these uh, pictures before, and uh, they just don't do anything for me at all. They, they really make me feel quite bad. Can you leave your body, or is it a trick of the mind? People say that, don't they? They say, I was having an operation, and then I floated out of my body and looked down at myself, an existential kind of thing. And uh, so they've asked various people. One in ten people claim to have had an out-of-body experience. I've had a few drunken nights in London where I've had a very out-of-my-clothes experience. I'm not too sure an out-of-body experience. Um, but uh, but they, they, they do say, actually, it's probably a trick of the mind. Some of these, exp- some of the, the, these people do claim... You know, they, they always give them a bit of credibility by saying, oh, so-and-so's a policeman or this, this person has, you know, got a doctorate in psychology or something like that. And I always think, no, I don't believe it. They did a programme on um, Loch Ness the other day and where they took 20 boats and they did the entire lock from, from one end to the other end to see if there was a Loch Ness monster, which, of course, as we all know, there isn't. But the one thing about Loch Ness is that the bottom is all peat. And so you cannot see but five feet in front of you. So if anything came out of the gloom, you wouldn't see it till it would be too late. And they were trying to work out what there is in there uh, that would be edible. So the Loch Ness Monster would have to be vegetarian. There's no fish in there. You get seals and eels and there was something else in there. I can't remember what it was. But whatever it was, there was nothing really that would, that would substantiate feeding something the size of the Loch Ness Monster. So without actually coming out and saying in this programme that, listen, it's a load of old hooey, because otherwise you would destroy uh, a tourist industry, they just sort of go, well, it's, it's quite dark. There is the chance that something could be in there. But what it'd be eating, I've got no idea. You know, some of the other animals that are supported... You know, it's because there is very little in there. So it would have to come out to breathe. I mean, even seals come up to breathe. But uh, but this thing apparently doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is because it doesn't exist. OK, so I think we can safely put that one to bed, that there is no such thing as the Loch Ness Monster. Because otherwise you'd see... And also, Bigfoot, I don't believe either. Sasquatch, isn't it? Sasquatch. No, I do not believe a story of hairy men. Although Stig Abel from The Sun would be pretty close. He's a very hairy man. He's a very hairy person. And unless he's going to take all his clothes off and walk through a jungle, I don't believe in Sasquatch either. I don't believe... There's loads of... Th- I don't believe in little green men from outer space. I do not believe that there is life on other planets. And when I mean life, I mean something that you can identify as life. I don't believe in flying saucers. I don't believe in loads of things. I'm not sure I believe in me. I'm not sure I even believe in me. But uh, but for the meantime, I have to, because this programme is called The Steve Allen Show, and it's here on LBC. Dean says, the last time I had my eyes wet was when I heard uh, Leona Lewis's run. It was like the national anthem of paradise. Well, well, there you go. I like all these things. Uh, a lot of people telling me about the Shard. I can't wait to go, actually. I can't wait, but I'm, I definitely couldn't go near the windows. Still to come this morning... Don't microwave your sausage rolls. It upsets some people of faith. What? Ridiculous. Plastic bag chaos looms today. You're going to have to pay. Who cares? Who cares? Spitting hatred as the yobs ambush the Tory conference. Um, The reclusive wife of Tom Jones has lost her sparkle. Who says it? He does. And the Euro Millions winner. Protect men from violent women, he begs. All of that and more on LBC This Morning. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday, the 5th of October. It's 5th of... I can't believe it's the 5th of October already. You watch, we're going to get through this month so fast like that, and then you're going to be into November, and then we'll be singing Christmas carols. Doesn't get any better, does it? The deluge ends our Indian summer. Indian summer? Did I miss that? 
But there's a hurricane on the way, so batten down the hatches, as they say. Plastic bag chaos is looming, as if you thought the weather couldn't be uh, worse. The spitting hatred as yobs ambush the Tory conference, including Charlotte Church, who was such a total disaster on Question Time. She thought the Syrian problem was down to climate warming, I ask you. How dim do you have to be? Mind you, I suppose when your record career's given up, you might as well try something else. She got 150 quid for appearing. Oh, and Sam Smith. What about Sam? Got to number one in the charts, but unfortunately can't find love, so he's bought spiritual stones, which he thinks will find him the perfect partner. I've never heard of such things. So it's crystals. He splashed out £330. What? On stones. He turned to spiritual healers Spellbound Sky in Los Angeles. They like things like this over there. Apparently, a source said, Sam has had his fair share of heartache and he's been persuaded to look at more unusual methods to bring romance into his life. How about a head transplant? <laughs> I mean, why would you waste time on stones? £330 on crystal... I mean, how's that going to help you find somebody? Rose quartz, apparently, is said to be for opening your heart to give and receive love. What a load of codswallop. He's also got several others, including one to protect his throat after recent surgery. What a load of codswallop. I mean, you can't believe it, can you? And uh, they say that he's, he's decided to take a more holistic approach so he can find the perfect man for himself. I really don't think, Sam, with the best will in the world, spending 330 quid on some pretty stones is going to find you a man. It really isn't. It really, really isn't. If you can't find one and you're very, very successful, what hope for anybody else? But 330 quid, it's re- it's doolally time. It's like that. It's not going to find you anybody at all. It really isn't. You'd be better off putting an advert on one of those dating sites. Uh, the film about Violet Zara... Oh, lovely, we've got milk. Sorry, we just have to... Go- I couldn't find milk earlier on. If there's one thing I can't drink, it's black coffee. Merci. Thank you. Oh, and a spoon. How novel. Look. No, I haven't had a spoon in years. Don't know what to do with it now. I feel like I'm doing an Irish coffee. So bear with me just while I um, just move this to one side. Um, the Violet Zabo film, as you know, was called Carve Her Name with Pride. Virginia McKenna, Jack Warner played her father, as you know. It's a super film. It really is. It's a, a really lovely British film, as indeed are so many. And that was from uh, Ken. I remember it vividly. You remember the poem? The life that I have is the life... Remember that one? That was the one that was uh, repeated. That, that was the code, wasn't it? That was the code that she had to, uh, to bring back. Anyway, the only reason I mention it is because Lord Ashcroft has done a, a full page in the Express today on Violet Zabo and to say that the medals are going into the Imperial War Museum, so they'll be there for everybody to see. It's a shame that she never got to see them, but her daughter did, and she's very much alive. So, chaos in the stores over the 5p charge for a carry, but I don't know what people are making any trouble over. Who cares? Five pence... Seriously, you're not telling me there are people in this country that can't afford five pence. Seriously. I mean, just go around any old rubbish bag, you'll, you know, you'll bin, or you'll find loads of plastic bags there. And sure, uh, store staff, they say, are bracing themselves for frayed tempers. What? what? Why would there be a frayed temper? Over 5p. Well, take your own bag in. Ladies, years ago, before we had, you know, ladies of a certain age will be going, you're right, Steve. My mother had one of those shopping bags that expanded... It was like a nylon sort of bag, and it was very small, but you could get loads of stuff in it. You must remember those bags. And ladies had baskets. They didn't go shopping for carrier bags. Ladies had a basket, or you've got one on wheels, you put your stuff in there. If you don't want to spend 5p, you can imagine there's going to be somebody going, do you want a bag? It's 5p. 
I mean, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's 5p. Get over yourself. You're prepared to spend, like, 50 quid on food, yet you won't spend 5p on a bag. There will be people. I can, I can guarantee now there'll be people phoning LBC at some point today, probably with Nick this morning, I should imagine, complaining about the 5p charge. But bearing in mind, the small chains shouldn't jump on the bandwagon. If they've got, oh, sorry, if they've got under, under 250 staff, then uh, it doesn't apply. If they've got over 250 staff, then the, the charges apply. But there might be some companies who might be just sort of charging anyway. Martin Lewis said consumers are generally in favour of the 5p charge if it helps the environment. It only applies to stores in England with 250 or more full-time staff. But they say here some hard-up shoppers will be furious to learn that smaller chains, Budgins, Londis and Spa, will be charging for bags despite not having to. So is it... Wait a minute, I'm, let me get this right now. Is this 250 staff in the group or 250 staff working in one shop? In the group. Well, in which case, I mean, surely Budgins, Londis and Spa must have more than 250 people working. They must have. So Wait- Waitrose said, every penny will go into a community and environmental fund. Sainsbury said, the charge will be distributed to good causes. Good. Good. Well, that's what it is. I don't understand. So, in other words, bags for unwrapped vegetables contaminated by soil, such as loose potatoes, will not incur a charge. But anyone in purchasing pre-wrapped potatoes will have to pay for a plastic bag. Customers buying raw fish, poultry and meat can carry their goods home for free, but those with frozen fish fingers must pay. However, fairgoers who win a goldfish will be given a bag for their new pet. God, I never thought about that. Otherwise, uh, goods exempt from the charge include unwrapped blades, such as razors, axes and knives. <laughs> Just what you're thinking about. Uh, prescription medicine and even takeaway food like a bag of chips. Well, I don't know any food chain who's got more than who's got a fish and chip shop who's working with more than two hundred and fifty people. Any shoppers trying to smuggle goods not on the exempt list in a bag with free products will pay the five p. That'll be interesting, won't it? But I love the idea that they're, they're sort of almost making it out to be something big. All you, all they've got to do on the till, they get. Do you want a bag? And there'll be somebody, there'll be somebody who won't know about this. There'll be somebody who's been on the planet Zog for the last, you know, 24 hours. And they'll be going, um, yeah, and they'll be going, that's five pence. Don't ask them, just tell them, would you like a bag? All you've got to do is have some, it seems them then having to sit there and argue with people. Because there will be people saying, I'm not paying to, a bag to take it away. Well, you're not having it then, are you? You're not having it. Simple as that. Nothing worth five pence, for goodness sake. Start looking down the back of the sofa. You can sort of look down on a, on a daily basis. And find some sort of money. Uh, Sharon says, "Thought you'd be interested here. Ocado have a new scheme that uses all the money made from charging for carrier bags to go to good causes in the UK, and they'll collect and give you five pence for every used bag you give them." Well, I've got loads at home. I've got loads. She said, "I'm very into recycling. How come you're not bothered?" I couldn't care less. Seriously, I, listen. I'm still using hairspray. You know, ever since people told me about the ozone layer and there's a there's a huge hole, I didn't care. I'm using all the. I've got a fridge that probably gives out all the wrong emissions. I don't care. I've got better things to worry about than whether I've recycled a carrier bag or a tin or a brown bottle or a green bottle or a clear bottle or plastic or card. Oh, dear, I can't be doing with it. Uh, Strictly Come Dancing bosses have been accused of favouritism. Who on earth would accuse them of favouritism? This is after... Is it Ewan Thomas? Ewan Thomas and Ola Jordan crashed out. Fantastic. I was so glad to wipe the smile off her face. Is it Ewan... You, oh, Ewan, is it? 
Why can't they spell it properly? Why is it? Well, there's Ewan McGregor. He's he's E W A N, and this one is I W A N, and that's Ewan, is it? How do you get that? How does you? It's Welsh. No, oh, well, that covers it, doesn't it? Really, I suppose. Anyway, Ola's husband. Oh Lord, he's not still around, is he? This is James Jordan, aptly named. Claimed the uh, changes in the competition were ruined by Peter Andre getting top billing. Oh, it's nothing worse than a sour grapes loser, is there? Anyway, I'm glad we've seen the back of her. But the good news is you can see a lot more of her at the back, the front and everything else in her new partly naked calendar. Her husband must be so proud because that's the only way they're going to make a living shortly. Uh, Jamelia called working with a choreographer on pop videos a lot of smoke and mirrors. Why do people use that expression, smoke and mirrors? It's all smoke and mirrors, isn't it? And, of course, the truth of the matter is it obviously isn't smoke and mirrors. You'll love the story of the latest war veteran to be awarded France's Légion d'honneur, has told how he hung onto the boots he wore when he walked 1,500 miles to freedom. This is ex-Lance Corporal Les Kurzweil, who's 96. He spent four years in a prisoner of war camp in Poland after he was captured by the Nazis. He escaped in Christmas 1944 as prisoners were being moved, setting off in the boots his mum sent him when his army issue once had worn out. Les, who lives in Bournemouth, said, I just kept walking southwest in the snow and ice through Poland, Czechoslovakia and Germany, and I got frostbite on my toes. If I hadn't had these boots, I would not have made it. And he's kept them. He's kept them. Now, that's what I call having something that's that's very important. I'm looking at this uh, flash flood in France. 19 people died. You look at the pictures on the, uh, the television. In Cannes, on the Riviera Resort, there was an overturned car. Water came gushing down in, uh, in Nice. Uh, the downpour, I mean, literally, it was unbelievable. And uh, the River Brag burst its banks, and it was dreadful. Two months of rain in one day. And uh, they've said, don't worry, it's heading here, which is lovely. Just the kind of thing you don't want to hear. You don't want to know that we're going to get deluge. And they've also said there's a hurricane on the way. Now, Jella Lawson has admitted she hates eating. I know the feeling. I wish I didn't hate eating. I wish I didn't hate eating. I wish that you could have, which I've said before, this sort of zip down the front of your tummy or sort of Velcro. You eat and then you open it up and you take everything out and put it and then zip yourself up again. Apparently, uh, the source of the name Smoke and Mirrors is based on the magician's illusion, where magicians make objects disappear or appear by extending or retracting mirrors amid a distracting burst of smoke. Good heavens above. That's the very idea, ladies and gentlemen. Smoke and mirrors. Now you know. It's quarter past five. Make some noise. This is LBC. And don't forget, it's Thursday, which is Make Some Noise. And we're going to raise money for LBC's charity, which gives, as you just heard Nick say, a voice to small projects in London and throughout the UK. So all this week, we told you last week, you can bid for some amazing money-can't-buy auction prizes, including a day behind the scenes at LBC. Uh, And then I think you get breakfast as well and a fantastic holiday to Washington, D.C. If you go to lbc.co.uk, you can download our Dress Loud pack. I'll just... Checking with one of my fellow presenters before we started the show. And he said he's, he's bought an all-pink suit. And he's going to wear it next Thursday. Oh, oh, my God. This Thursday. And so I said, really? He said, yes. He said, it cost him, I think, 30 quid. He bought it from a fancy dress hire place. I said, you're never going to walk through Leicester Square in a bright pink suit. Tell me you're not going to do this. 
He said he wasn't sure about that bit. But uh, you can you can make a difference. You can do something different. You can go and have a look at the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Uh, there's a special feature on Make Some Noise. And you can see all the presenters and what they're offering as their prizes. I mean, mine, I'll tell you, is afternoon tea at the Hilton. So you and a friend and me... Uh, we'll be going to the Hilton and we'll have, uh, you know, all the usual luxuries of afternoon tea, which is nice. Uh, you can see as well on the LBC website how much people have donated so far, what the what the uh, the prize is actually going for at the moment. But it finishes on Thursday. So why not go and check it out? It's going to be a great day. It's going to make a lot of difference to children and young people who need our support. It's lbc.co.uk. Globals Make Some Noise is supported by Confused.com. More of your texts and uh, emails. I will tell you uh, more about my prize, but if, if you go to lbc.co.uk now, then uh, you can you can sort of beat the rush, as they say. I like the idea of people beating the rush. I think Nick and I are a bit level pegging at the moment. Are we both le- level pegging? I've got £1,020, 32 bids. Oh, it's a pretty picture of tea. Oh, I like the look of that. And uh, a Nick, wait a minute, has he got, has he got more? Has he got more bid now? Oh, he's got £1,040. Blast. He's, he's 20 pounds ahead of me. That's not good, is it? It becomes a little bit competitive in the... What else have we got there? What else have we got there? I like the, where, where they're going. I like where I'm going for tea as well. Uh, how, much is, um, how much is Washington, D.C.? That holiday looks nice, doesn't it? If we're bidding for that now, is that uh, £1,520? I need to up my ante a little bit, don't I, really, I think. How much is, uh, how much, what, what else have we got? What else have we got? Just, uh, just sh- show me the page. I'll tell you what I do like. I do like the, uh, the Raymond Vial watches. I, d- I do like those ones. They even have told you the serial number of the watches. So you know they're nice. I quite like the Northern Lights. How much is Northern Lights going for at the moment? How much? Is it over £1,000? The Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis, how lovely. And there's also uh, motor racing. You can go for lunch with Ken Livingston and David Meller. Actually, I'd do that one. That's quite a nice one. Obviously, I'm, I'm a little bit biased when it comes to mine. Uh, there's also uh, VIP West Ham tickets with Ian Dale. Did you read his tweet the other day? He said he was at Tory conference and somebody came up to him and thought he was me. They actually said, he said, that I thought, he said they thought I was Steve Allen and loved my, my take on te- Kerry Katona and Jordan. <laughs> I don't know they'd be insulted or suicidal. I can't quite work out. If, if somebody thinks that, seriously, Ian Dale looks like me, I need to go back in for Botox very quickly, I think, very, very quickly. Uh, I found an app called TV Smiles. And uh, I've got the, I'm actually talking of new apps, isn't there a new one out on People or something? I keep hearing about this new app. I don't, I don't know what it is yet. Somebody asked me what my opinion was, but as I don't, as I don't know what it is, it doesn't really help. So we shall find out. Uh, there was a woman, says Tyrone, protesting about outside Sainsbury's Wallington about the 5p bag. And there were people watching, blocking the entrance. Couldn't get into shop, 5p bag or no 5p bag. So I went to Tesco Metro instead. I don't, it's 5p, isn't it? Who cares about 5p? I can't believe somebody would seriously be arguing ab- about that at all. I just don't, I don't quite get it. It's five pence. Five pence is nothing. All right, so, I mean, you take it home, you enter the stuff out, you use the bag again. It works out about penny a visit, doesn't it, before it sort of kindly gives up the ghost. Uh, the other story that's running on the papers, I nearly said trending, but I don't do trending stories. This is a daughter who kissed her mum goodbye after being told she died and then found seven hours later it was the wrong body. You'd think you'd know. Liz Page and her husband were too upset to notice the hospital blunder when they were ushered into a cubicle. Mum Phyllis 
who's 94, was still alive on a nearby ward after a stroke in Dorchester. What, so they kissed this strange woman goodbye and they thought it was their mother? But, but it wasn't. It turned, out to be, it turned out to be somebody else. How does that happen? How does that happen? It's a very odd one. Uh, she says, I couldn't believe it. I was angry uh, and then delighted at the same time. They said, we're very sorry your mother's not dead. She's on another part of the ward. They said the woman who died had a similar name and they pulled out the wrong file. Lizzie's mum, Phyllis, had been taken to the A&E at the Dorset County Hospital. Uh, a brain scan revealed some bleeding and Phyllis was put on oxygen. Liz and hubby Jerry spent the evening at her bedside before returning to their home. She says, I didn't sleep very well and at about 4.50 I had a phone call. Uh, they were very sorry to say that mum had passed away and asked if I wanted to see her. It was news I was expecting to hear. A nurse showed us into the cubicle. We were there about three or four minutes, I suppose. I just said goodbye and kissed her forehead and came out. She says, I know it sounds ridiculous, but we didn't realise it was the wrong body. I mean, you'd think you'd recognise your own mum, wouldn't you? Irrespective. But uh, anyway, so she's, she's had a letter of apology and her mum's still alive. So that's it. They said, we're terribly sorry, showed you the wrong body. You'd think you'd go, sorry, that's not my mum. You would know that. The People app. This is... Uh, P-double-E-P-L-E. And what it lets you do is rate individual people out of five stars, rating anything from dating to business, uh, to how you are as a flatmate or a landlord. The company's shares were valued at 7.6 million a week ago. So, is, is, it, is it just a silly thing? Is it just a silly thing to do? I mean, how, how can, so in other words, uh, so am I on there? Could I be on there and people could rate me? Oh, right, I see what it is. So in other words, you, you put anybody on there and then other people phone up or, or go onto the app and rate them. So they go, I think Steve Allen's a five out of five or something like that. I mean, what is the point of it? It's worth 7.6 million. Somebody somewhere's making money out of it, aren't they? So in other words, you rate individual people out of five stars, anything from dating, God, that'd be a disaster, wouldn't it? And business, or how you are as a flatmate or a landlord, probably not how you are as a radio presenter. I'd quite like to think it isn't. Oh, right, you've got to have a Facebook account. Oh, thank God for that, I'm not on Facebook. Oh, thank God for that. (laughs) One of those days where you thank the Lord that you're not on something. Otherwise, before you know where you are, people are writing to you, and you go, well, it's not me, you're writing to to somebody completely different. And the crackpot mob who are out there at Tory conference, and there's a picture today, a very sad young man. I mean, seriously, he looks, you know, he he can't quite believe it. He's just uh, down there. He'd become a hate target. There's a woman standing next to him wearing a pig face. Or perhaps she isn't wearing a pig face. Perhaps it is her face. I don't know. And uh, he's just had an egg thrown at him. And he's standing there looking a little bit dejected, which she would. She, of course, is positively the face of evil. And so these hardline protesters have hurled eggs. They spat at reporters. What filth are they? Well, I think we know what they are. The health secretary faced a barrage of verbal abuse by anti-austerity demonstrators. And, um, and one parliamentary candidate... Robert McLevine told police he'd been hit in the mouth by a woman. Michael Crick from Channel 4 News tweeted people he'd been spat upon. Four people arrested. Student protester Mark Granger, 20, but with the the brain the size of a peanut, ladies and gentlemen, said, we don't want these anarchists. They give us a bad name. Leader of the Commons, Chris Grayling, said of the trouble, it feels like a throwback to a bygone era. 
Francis O'Grady, General Secretary of the TUC, blasted the troublemakers. They're just a little individual, no marks. That's all they are, really. He says what's happened is inexcusable. Journalists must be able to do their job. To be spat on by somebody. (laughs) How disgusting. I mean, you would be inclined, wouldn't you, just to sort of turn around and smack them in the mouth. Somebody spat at you. Why should you have to put up with things like that? It's these silly little pig masks. They're a bit simple, aren't they? And then you get Charlotte Church out there as well. The multi-millionaire Charlotte Church. Let's not forget, shall we? I mean, she really is. Did you see? Did you see her on on Newsnight? I had to uh, read one of the uh, question time. Sorry, uh, one of the uh, the critics of her. It was Kelvin McKenzie, and uh, he said of Charlotte Church, who, to be honest with you, only a short while ago she was face down in the gutter most evenings when she came down to London. And he says, I recognise that the BBC's question time struggles to find decent guests. The fee's only one hundred and fifty quid. He said, whereas uh, Dimbleby's absurd salary is 750000 for a day's work. Even allowing for that, he says, surely they can do better than Charlotte Church. He said, the show hit a new low when Miss Church, so desperate to be on the telly now that her voice has lost its commercial attraction, she'll even be a Corbyn supporter, suggested the Syrian conflict was caused by climate change. <laughs> nothing to do with a despot called Assad. Nothing to do with the hatred of the Sunnis and the Shias. Nothing to do with the medieval hordes of ISIS. Nope. All down to a lack of rain, apparently. Proving once and for all that she is thick as a brick. To give them their credit, even the audience was struck dumb. Not a peep. Complete silence. After the show, as the Twitterati started giving Miss Church a battering, she attacked the audience for the silence and claimed they were right-wing and not Welsh. She's got problems, hasn't she, really? Miss Church, can I help you, says Kelvin McKenzie. They weren't right or left, but were a crowd you probably don't mix with too often. Intelligent. They very carefully picked that audience. I mean, fancy putting her on there. So, in other words, you know, the the Syrian conflict is climate change. You are so dumb. (laughs) Just go home, dear. Go home. Stay home. You know, go on your little marches. You know, you've you've got your millions of pounds. There's a picture of you holding up your little handwritten placard. Looks like it's written by a three-year-old, to be honest with you. And just, uh, just go away. Really, you're too stupid for words. I can't understand why we give even oxygen to these people. It's uh, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Want to get ready? 26 minutes to six at Steve Allen's early breakfast. I will bring you, I promise you, the story of uh, why you shouldn't be having sausage rolls in the fridge at work. It's uh, all to do with uh, offending people. Apparently people of different religions are offended by a sausage roll. How these people make it through life, I've got no idea. It's like vegetarians on the high street. How they get past a butcher shop, I'll never know. Imagine if you were sort of you were anti-sausage rolls. I mean, Greg's must be a nightmare for you. Uh, Tramp and Deck, uh, they've dressed up as they, they like doing. Especially when you think that they're now 40-year-old men. You know, they aren't the little children from Way Eight Back a Groove. And so they're filming a promo for I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. I mean, a, a done as sort of castaway kind of thing. So I'd forgotten that that one starts. They go out there, don't they? I think it's uh, November. They go out to the jungle, to the, uh, to the set that uh, when we vacate, I think the Germans move in, and when the Germans finish, then somebody else moves in. And if you're very lucky, you get kicked out early, or you walk out and go and stay in the Versace, which is very nice, which is just literally just out, out of sight. And, and the only reason I mention them is because I forgot that I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, has come back again. We've only just finished Celebrity Big Brother. They couldn't find anybody for that. I mean, look how they scraped the barrel to try and find a couple of cheap porn acts from America, somebody's boyfriend and a couple of other people that nobody cared about. Some reject from The Apprentice. Who else was there? I can't even remember who there was in it. Was there anybody in it? We didn't get Daniela Westbrook. Thank God for that. I mean, perhaps they'll stick her in the jungle. 
Perhaps she can sort of sort of go and languish out there. But I don't know who they're going to find. Because generally speaking, I seem to remember the... Are there any rumours about the jungle yet? I don't know. We'll have a look online about who they could possibly... Oh, yes, there was. There was a rumour that they were going to put some old biddy out of Towie in there. Some old biddy who's foul-mouthed and everything, so she'll, she'll fit in quite well. Uh, the the rumours... The rumours so far... Here we go. Here are, here are the rumours of going into Armour Slimming. Rusty Lee... You know, she had to be dropped from television for a little bit of product placement. James Arthur. Oh, poor soul, honestly. That's a career finished, isn't it, then? Who's that one there? Who's that creature? Caitlyn Jenner. I, I can't remember who Caitlyn Jenner is now. Oh, that was Bruce, was it? Before the over... Oh, why would she want to do it? Anne Robinson was... Re- she won't do it. She doesn't need the money at all. Uh, Leslie Ash. Oh, I hope she doesn't do it. I do hope so. Jake Wood from EastEnders. Paul Gascoigne. Oh. Godfathers. Here we go now. Spencer Matthews. Oh, poor old Spencer, honestly. Louis Walsh. Oh, we're now getting into the realms of silly people. 50 Cent. Who's been declared bankrupt. Oh, perhaps he might need the money, actually. And and that's about it. I'm sure that they did say it was somebody from, from TOWIE was thinking of going in there. And they said, oh, she'll be really good. I thought, well, she's not very good on TOWIE. They might as well get rid of it. Mind you, Gemma Collins hasn't had any... Her, her career's finished now, hasn't it? Completely zilched. The moment she's not on the television and the moment people don't care about her, that's it. You're, you're washed up, love. You might have to go back to flogging cars again or something like that. I feel a bit sorry. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, uh, there will be people in there that will infuriate. It'll be sort of the deadbeat. Somebody mentioned Jake Quickenden. I thought, well, where's his career gone? Finished completely. Absolutely washed. How these people survive, I've got no idea. I was trying to work out the other day, only in my own little mind, how on earth Daniela Westbrook is surviving with no work. There is no work at all. And, in fact, it's got so desperate that even Kerry Coctona, she's not doing anything at all at the moment. She tried to come up with a story the other day that she's best friends with Paul Gascoigne, the blind leading the blind, if you see, see what I mean, or don't see what I mean. And, uh, and she thought she'd be a motivational speaker. And I thought, well, she can't string two words together. Why would she be a motivational speaker? Because she's experienced drugs, apparently. Well, there's low. I can go and find somebody in Leicester Square in about five minutes. Uh, Neil, you remember, had the disaster the other day when he went to go and see Gypsy, which is excellent at the Savoy Theatre, and then, then had a panic attack in the middle of it, so had to leave. And I had to ask a friend of mine yesterday, actually, Neil, what a panic attack was. I've had panic attacks in theatre. I went to one theatre once, years ago this was, and I can't remember if I'd been diagnosed diabetic or I hadn't been, whatever it was. I remember sitting there and all of a sudden my heart started pounding and I started sweating profusely. I mean, it was it was almost to the point of I had to leave the theatre and go and stand outside. It was so bad. I'd taken a friend of mine to the theatre and I had to leave them in there because I just couldn't go back in again. It was terrible, terrible. Uh, Neil says, bit chilly out this morning, back to jolly old work this morning after a week off. Ah. And uh, he sent me a lovely picture uh, of a shirt, which is very nice indeed, with I hate sprouts on it. Well, as you know, I had sprouts yesterday. <laughs> I've started the sprouts already, and, and things, things are going quite well. They've started bringing out the little sprouts, and I, like, I could eat a whole packet of the little sprouts. Very, very simple to do, and just, I just have them sometimes with just onion gravy. <laughs> Can't be good for you, can it? Just sprouts all the time. But I'm thinking it's part of my five a day. 
Well, my, in my case, my part of my 25 a day. So, Anton Deck in the papers. Who's going to be in uh, I'm a Celebrity? It'll be a bunch of no-hopers. They'll be already... They will have done the deals with the agents. What if Jonathan Shallot's got anybody in there? They never tell you. They're not allowed to tell you beforehand. And then they get the pictures of them. We had a picture of Gemma Collins. My God, they had to hunt around to find an outfit to fit her. That was a bit of a problem. And then they stuck her in a hat. And then she lasted, what, precisely three days. But you knew she was going to be rubbish at it. You knew that she was just going in there because it was just the publicity. Uh, Maddie says, loved your interview with the Osmonds. It was great. Yes, in fact, that's available for download now. And if you go to the LBC website, you can watch the film of uh, Leslie Brickus, because we film all our, all our interviews. 90% of them we film. And also the Osmonds as well. Three of them came in. So you get that. I haven't se- I don't watch these films back, so I've got no idea. It's another department within this vast building which is almost like the House of Mirrors. Seriously, you walk through and then you open a door and there's hundreds of people on a floor. I was explaining to my driver this morning, I said, there's 700 of us in this building. And I think it's gone up since I told him that. About 750 people. It's huge. It's absolutely vast. And, um, and they're all in there. And so there's a, there's a separate videoing department and they come up and they change the mic muffs and things and they, they've, it's very clever very clever so today we will be uh, filming and uh, today uh, the author robert harris will be coming in and you know how big he is uh, he's best known for fatherland and the ghost you remember that was turned into the film with ewan mcgregor the proper spelling of ewan e-w-a-n as opposed to the welsh spelling which is z-x-y-p-q and any other letters you can think of it's like what was that other name who is that um Oh, there's a there's a man. Is he's a? Oh, I can't remember his name now. But he's he he doesn't pronounce his name as you think it should be pronounced. He's a, he's um is he an Antarctic person? Just I can't remember. That's right, Ranulf Fines. Ranulf Fines. I mean, have you ever heard of such a description? And that's right, and the actor is Rafe Fines. It's Ralph. It's spelt Ralph. Imagine trying to explain to somebody struggling through the English language. This is uh, aimed at you, Kerry Katona. Um, you know that it's 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 written Ralph, but it says Rafe. I mean, how does how does that happen? Rafe is R A F E, isn't it? I thought so. Obviously, not in the real world out there. Uh, the diet. Oh, it's a diabetic story. That's never good. Oh, there we go. They see people at risk of diabetes have to exercise harder than their peers. Apparently, a seven-month study looked at 50 unfit, slightly overweight, but healthy men in their 40s. Half the men belong to the risk group. Oh, God. I hate reading stuff like that. It just makes me feel depressed. I don't want to do exercise. I don't mind other people doing exercise, as long as it doesn't infringe on my life. Uh, there's also a postman. See, I have a great postman, although I've lost two things recently. Three things. Firstly, I've got to contact eBay, because I think I've been ripped off by this woman. Uh, secondly, I got uh, our friends at one of our sister stations to sign a uh, one of their photo cards for my goddaughter, Danielle. And I put that in the post with a first-class stamp on it. Never received it. Somebody somewhere has, has taken it, or it's just vanished or got lost in the system. Because I've never lost anything before. And I've ordered a super book from America, and that was about $200, and that was about two months ago, and that's not arrived yet. Anyway, here's a postman story. We don't have postman stories very often, because I I have really good relations with my postman. They're very good indeed. This one's been suspended as the Royal Mail is probing why hundreds of letters took three years to arrive. (laughs) Tim Beddow, who comes from the West Midlands, got three items on September the 17th, which were posted in March 2013. 
because you do sometimes get, mainly about Christmas time, you get some light-fingered postmen who are brought in as part of the uh, the new sort of people, and they just think, oh, wait, if it says happy Christmas or birthday, there might be the chance of money in there, so people take it. The suspended postie works for the de- delivery office in Oldbury. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Uh, the most cruel app ever is People. It's in the sun today. They've said it's a cruel app. They said worries over People Trip Advisor. And um, they say here, schools say social media is already leaving pupils stressed. And this is a sort of a potential trolling tool. In between that and people sexting, where they send pictures of their body parts. I mean, honestly, I can barely get through the day. You know, nobody's ever sent... Well, wait a minute, I have to think, rethink that one. Uh, but, uh, but when you've got this one here, people, it's worth seven point something million already. Facebook announced it was planning a dislike button. God, blimey, it's getting worse, isn't it? You'll have a thing now on your radio where they'll go, do you like this programme? Push push the button on the top or push the button on the side and that will determine whether or not your radio ever picks up that radio presenter again. Thank goodness we don't need to worry about things like that on this show at 17 minutes to six in the morning. Um, British cars fix the rip-off. This is going on and on, isn't it? The average bill is costing you a third more, depending on where you actually get your car done. The average, the most expensive average bill was 241 pounds in East Anglia. This is actually to get your car repaired. Good God, I've never had a bill of 241 quid. Not on my car. I can spend nearly that on a... I do spend more than that on a tyre. More than that on a tyre. Apparently you need to shop around. Shop around, because it's very difficult. Or failing that, what you need to do is, is either marry a mechanic... Like women marry hairdressers. I think you need to marry a mechanic and then they can look after your car because it's so expensive. If somebody says to you, it needs this doing and that doing, um, I know so little about a car. I have to go, OK, fine, we'll do it because you'll see it could be dangerous. So, I mean, I'm lucky if anything goes wrong with my cars, uh, I'm straight back into the garage, straight back into the garage going, oh, God, do it, I can't do it. Which is good. Thank you for all my uh, retweets, ladies and gentlemen. I like being retweeted. I also like giving you time checks, because I know you've got to go to work today. I know you don't want to go to work, but uh, you've got to, because it's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 12 minutes to six. It's Monday morning. The, uh, the, the, the weather is getting quite bad. Apparently, it's quite windy out there. Dan on his bus says being blown around. All over the place today. Gross exaggeration. But I have seen buses blow over, actually. So just take it easy out there, because it is uh, it is going to get worse, they've said. It is going to get worse. Uh, Paul says you need ten bags for your shopping. It's not 10p, is it? No, I mean, it's 10p per bag if you buy the bag for life. But the new one's coming out. It's 5p for the bag. Whether or not, you know, you want to buy a bag or not, you're going to be charged 5p for it. I don't think it makes any difference. I'm sure there will be picketing and there'll be people... They'll have film crews out somewhere today going, uh, so why have you decided not to pay the 5p for a carrier bag, you tight-fisted old so-and-so? And there'll be people saying, I think it's absolutely outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. What about people, though, who give you paper bags? That's OK, is it? Paper bag's OK. So, in other words, but what about uh, how are they going to manage it in Kentucky Fried Chicken? Because if you buy a party barrel, they're going to put it in a carrier bag, aren't they? And going to give it to you. They're going to charge you the extra 5p. Because they have... I mean, I think it's the law. They have to do it. They have to do it. So, you can get... Yes, you can get it online delivery. Will they be char- I don't know. Perhaps they'll be charging. Perhaps the man's going to get to the door and go, are you paying 5p for this bag? And you go, no. And he takes it back again. And you watch your food going back into the Ocado van. I don't know how it works. I'm, I'm slightly disturbed that, that, that people would be complaining, you know, about something like that. Because I just don't, I just don't think it's, it's worth complaining about. Must be better things, mustn't there, to start moaning about. Um, I did like uh, the idea 
of... Uh, what did somebody write to me? We were talking about this, this film. And actually, regardless of the plastic bag situation, shops should be putting butter, lard, dripping meat fish into food grade bags at the checkout. The hygiene laws ignored. I don't think hygiene exists, does it? I don't think hygiene exists anymore. Ben in Hammersmith says I find 5p on the ground almost every day. Yes. Robert says, you may be unaware that James O'Brien is set to be on television. Yes, he's just doing little filming reports. I don't know where they're getting his hair from this time. I can't work that out at all. Last time it came out of a jar. They had to put it on there. But it, the trouble is, the more he worries about it, you know, the, the more they have to find more. Why don't they just sort of have it shaved off? I've said, the trouble is, I've noticed, though, that the shaved off look is fairly good. I like it. Uh, Les says, I, uh, having heard your conversation with Leslie Brickus about Sammy Davis Jr., Mr. Bojangles, I googled it and played it. Yes, it's on YouTube. It's fantastic, isn't it? Uh, Mary says, correction. Charlotte Church is not a practice speaker and needs some more practice. But what she was trying to say was well-based. What, that the Syrian situation is based on climate change? You are having a laugh, aren't you? You want medication or something? Not a practice speaker. You're joking. She turns up for an... You could open the fridge door, she'll do 20 minutes. Can't shut her up. Mind you, she does it better when she's had a bit of booze. Kate in Harefield says, You took my mind off my excruciatingly painful, impacted wisdom tooth. <gasps> that sounds awful. That sounds... I was literally crying into my porridge. That's not a good look, is it? And wanting my head to be cut off, and you made me smile through the pain. I know. You can smile through pain, can't you? And, um... One here says, when you cook your sprouts, Brian says, add a stock cube. It changes them totally. Yes, into sprouts with a stock cube. Doesn't sound very exciting. Miss Westbrook is on uh, celebvm.com, a site you pay five quid to get a personal internet video message. Well, she what can be making any money on that. She doesn't know she has to pay tax, doesn't she? I'm just reminding her, just in case. His full name, says Chris, is Ranulph Twistleton Wickham Fines. I mean, that just sounds so wonderful, doesn't it? It sounds so grand. Twistleton. I love that. Uh, Ian says, my, uh, in the 80s, my mum received a postcard from Spain that had been sent 10 years previously. 10 years pre- You see, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, I can't believe that we've actually lost this autograph from, uh, from, from, from the two next door. I find it very odd. Because when, when she sent me a text, she went, Uncle Steve, the photo's not arrived yet. And I thought, how can you lose it? It was only just an envelope, but I, I, I posted it in here. We have post bins everywhere. And so I'm hoping it'll, it'll turn up, or she'll phone me later on and go, Uncle Steve, it's arrived, by which time, of course, I will have got another signed photo and put that in there. So she'll have two signed photos. And uh, you never cease to amaze me, says Margaret in Greenwich. Why, why, why would that be? She says, uh, you don't have to stop and think what to say next. Well, I can't afford to. Can't afford to. And I'll tell you how I learnt that. Years and years ago, I used to work for uh, what was loosely called an industrial radio station because it used to be uh, going out to all the United Biscuits factories. And if you paused too much, sometimes the transmitter would switch off. So you had to keep talking because all of a sudden all the lights would twinkle in front of you. In the days when I knew what I was doing with a desk, but it was fairly simple. This thing I'm here in front of is like NASA, but I don't touch it, luckily. And, and if you stopped talking for any length of time and it could have been about a minute all the lights came on and sometimes it could shut down so you had to you had to keep going so that's the reason and also i'm actually paid until 6 30 so up until 6 30 i do keep talking jonathan says valentine cards to my ex-boyfriend in malaysia never arrived until i discovered the tradition of giving money in red envelopes for chinese new year now i look for a card with a white envelope and it usually gets there no idea if it's stolen in the uk or in malaysia that's the trouble isn't it there's always going to be Somebody somewhere. I watched one of those police programmes the other night and they were stopping people who were, it's called going equipped to steal. They were Polish 
In fact, at the moment, they're missing in the country. There's a warrant out for them. And uh, what they'd done, they managed to go to Macro and get two televisions out. How did they get two televisions out, you may be wondering? What they did was they put them in the bottom of the trolley and covered the trolley with sacks of potatoes. When they got to the checkout, they just went, uh, eight, uh, eight sacks potato. And uh, so they just paid for eight sacks. So they had eight sacks of potato in the back of the car. They managed to get loads of other stuff out, all by hiding it in trolleys. Of course, you can't do that if you go to Costco, because they count the items. And they also, they go through through the trolley. They're looking to make sure you've not got any extra items in there. So that's why. Mind you, talking of people having extra items, you don't need to be caught on the Interceptor programme. The BBC are very good at losing stuff. They're, they're not sure uh, whether or not this, these items are lost or stolen. How much do you think worth of gear has gone missing? Wait for this list. This is from the BBC... This is in the past five years. 66 laptops. Okay. 272 smartphones. Three PCs were mislaid or misplaced by employees uh, during the last parliament. Meanwhile, thieves are said to have taken 633 laptops, 200 smartphones, 104 cameras, 85 iPads, 34 PCs in the same period. Uh, the BBC said the number of items was relatively very small when set against its uh, 20,000 or so staff. Well, you've either got the most, most tea leaves in one place or you're just very careless. Two and a half million pounds worth of gear. Oh, by the way, I just thought I'd mention that you're paying for that, ladies and gentlemen, because it's our BBC. The constant being told, although every time I've written to say, can you fire so-and-so, they seem to ignore me completely. What's the matter with them? Thought it was my BBC. Obviously it's not, but lose two and a half million pounds. And, um... Uh, the Osbournes are fantastic. They really are. They really are. There is no doubt in my mind that they're lovely people, and you can see them on LBC. Uh, Robbie says, my local shop, plastic bags, buy one, get one free. Uh, Jay says, for every million bags sold, the supermarket earned 50,000 quid. Of course we should object. Oh, don't be so silly. Don't be so silly. Smack legs. Don't be silly. A million bags sold, they earn 50,000. It's not for them. It's, it's going for, 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 for charity. It's not that. Steve, why pay 5p for a bag when you get the whole shopping trolley for a quid? And your local scrap man gives you £5 back on it, says Spencer. I passed your number on to the police. I decided that was safer that way because you quite clearly nick trolleys. Because it, but they do, people put... Th- there will be somebody who'll be... You know, it's like the story the other day I told you. of people turning bags inside out. They go, I'm not paying 10p or 5p to advertise this supermarket. And you think, well, what are you doing shopping in there then? God, there's some dumb people out there. There really are. Uh, they do appear... Oh, no. Do you know, is it me... I'm on board with Usain Bolt. Every time you see him, and here he is. Uh, he's at uh, Oktoberfest in Munich on Saturday. And so they, they got him in a pair of lederhosen. I mean, honestly, it's bozo time. It really is here, poor soul. And then, of course, they have to do this thing he does, pointing into the... Oh, grow up and get over yourself. What? <laughs> Drives me mad, doesn't it? Uh, grieving families. That would squeeze this chirpy, chirpy little story in before the news at six. They're being left more than £1,000 in debt because the cost of funerals is soaring. Apparently, the average funeral for a basic service is 3,702 quid. How can it be? For what? 3,702. Cremation fees have gone up. Oh, I'm being put out with the rubbish. I don't think we need to go to all the expense. Stick stick me in the back of, of the Bentley and we can just sort of take me there and just shove me out at the landfill. Make it much easier. Apparently, one in ten funerals is now a low-cost woodland service. That's with one of those wicker coffins. Have you seen them? They always look as though you're about to fall out. And if I'm in there, I want to make sure I'm staying in there. I quite like the... I mean, cremation fees have gone up. 
Um, burials have jumped 3.75%. They say the uh, London had the highest average burial and cremation bills, £7,206. A similar burial in Belfast, 3027 And if you go to Greenock on the Firth of Clyde, 2907 Let's go there. Just send me up to Greenock. I'll, I'll be happily up there buried. So the cheapest funerals, Belfast, Amersham. Amersham's... I'll go to Amersham. That's quite nice. Yeovil and Somerset. Alford in Lincolnshire and Bridgewater in Somerset. The priciest funeral areas, Woking, £4,800. £4,800. Uh, 5000 in Enfield. Oh, please. Having a laugh, aren't they? Wandsworth, 5000 Southgate, 5000 And Beckenham, 5.4. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, don't die in Beckenham. If you're listening in Beckenham at the moment, move. Move today. A lot of old people, are there? A lot of old people in Hastings. But I've always said to old people who've said to me before, oh, I'm worried about I won't have enough money to bury myself. Let somebody else worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's not going to be your... F- oh, it will be your funeral. Uh, but it doesn't really matter, actually. Why would you worry about things like that? Who cares? Let, let the family pay for it. Mark says, as I do very little shopping, paying by card except by mail order, I have a plethora of small change to unburden myself off on carrier bags. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. You know, 5p for a carrier bag. Good value. And then you can use it if you've got a dog for picking up, can't you, as well? So it's multifunctional. Why people have moaned? But there will be, I promise you today, there will be people. It's like the spitting hatred. They spat on a journalist, a left-wing journalist, an openly out left-wing journalist who supports the Labour Party. And they spat on him because they're so stupid. Four people arrested, thank God. Let's hope the courts come down very heavy. Would you let your man have Botox? Apparently a lot of women say they would. The deluge ending our Indian summer. There's a hurricane on the way. I've got to find the sausage roll story. I've got to find it. The Glastonbury tickets sell out in half an hour. It's not till next year. Uh, Granny goes to war on the fines for owners who let dogs off the lead. The wrong foot in the grave. It's blind injustice. The preferential treatment for the Yorkshire Ripper in an NHS hospital. Not good news. Oh, and Harry's back on the booze again. But he took Eugenie out because she's not working, is she? On Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday. It's the 5th of October. It's coming up to five minutes past six. This is Steve Allen's early breakfast. Frank Spencer could make a TV return 37 years on. I hope he does. I'd love to see them back together. They could just sort of move it on a little bit. The the Yobs ambushing Tory conference. Nick will be talking about that a bit later on this morning. The plastic bag chaos. There will be chaos. I mean, it's so simple. Apparently, over in, uh, in Northern Ireland, since 2013, and consumptions of plastic bags has gone down from 190 million, says Dennis, to some 30 million. He said, that's a result in my book. I absolutely agree. Let's make people start, you know, taking their own bags back. And I include myself on that one. Ola Jordan, out. Out completely. Oh, dear. It's all finished, doesn't it, really, for her? And blind injustice, the Ripper treatment. He gets preferential treatment, the Yorkshire Ripper, a convicted mass murderer of 13 women in an NHS hospital against ordinary NHS patients. He gets taken there, not in handcuffs. There's also some... Now, where did I hear this? There's some move to get him removed, I think, from... Broadmoor and to put him in a proper prison. He doesn't want to go to a proper prison. I should imagine fearing for his life, but he can't have much longer to go. He's been blinded in one eye already. And uh, he gets to go to um, to the NHS hospital. I mean, how you get to jump the queue, I don't know. Uh, the Yorkshire Ripper's coming in. Oh, God, get him out as quick as possible. I suppose that would be the argument, wouldn't it? As opposed to trying to keep him in there. Uh, a friend of mine works as a, as a postman in mid-Cheshire, says uh, Ian. During a refit of the sorting office... 
Staff removed a sorting table and found loads of old mail in a void behind the desk. Some letters as old as 1973. Everything went back in the post and was delivered. Because I never, I mean, seriously, I'm really, I think I'm quite lucky. I think we've got a brilliant postal system. I, I don't lose anything. The thing from, from eBay, I'm going to chase up because I think she could be a bit crooked. And um, the thing from America, I think, is just taking time because I think it's coming normal surface. And it's, uh, it's quite a big book. And um, and the card that went to Danielle, I don't know where that's gone to. I mean, how you can lose that? I mean, it must—it's had a stamp on it. It was just a normal envelope. Never mind. Uh, the Glastonbury tickets have sold out. I've never expressed any interest in standing in a muddy field or a dry field with uh, with the great unwashed. Thank you very much indeed. Couldn't care less who's appearing. Really makes no difference at all. And uh, do you think, says Ian, uh, they'll be saying, "Do you want any help with your packing?" I only go to places that offer help with packing. Although some of the younger ones, you have to kind of explain to them how you pack a bag. That, that would, you know, that, that's actually quite, quite different. You have to say to them, listen, um, sorry, this is, this is a soft item here, and you've just put something on top of it, so it's squashed it. So should we go and get another one? You don't like to have to do that. How's this for coincidence, says Mavis? My granddaughter, who is not normally an LBC listener, was in Norway for a week's holiday recently and woke up in the night, couldn't go back to sleep. Oh, here we go. So decided to listen to the radio. She then uh, had what she calls a surreal experience when she heard my name mentioned and you read out an email I'd sent you recently. She seems to have enjoyed you as much as the fjords and I hope will become a regular to your dulcet tones. Listen, I'll I'll take listeners from anywhere. I don't care where they come from. I don't care if you're working, not working. We get people in prison listening to this programme. Kind of makes the time drag a little bit, I realise, but you know, I don't. I don't really care as long as you feature in the uh, in the audience figures, which I think will be coming out very shortly. I'm very happy, very happy. Uh, Dave wants a Viking funeral in a boat, set fire to and sent out to sea. We can sort that out for you. That could be done. Yes, I quite like it. Every time I t- that we talk about Viking festivals, I always think to myself, up Heliar, which is one of these things that they hold down in somewhere in the country, and they they set fire to a ship. Because that's what they—that's uh, what they used to do ages ago, and I, I quite like that idea. But I think it was only reserved for kings. I don't think you could just sort of go and buy yourself a Viking longboat and set fire to it and send yourself out to sea. Uh, Jilly Cooper has says that she might write a lesbian bonkbuster. She says there seems to be a lot of it about. Oh, compulsory, compulsory it is now. A, a lesbian bonkbuster. But who would be buying that? I think I think there is enough lesbian writing out there. There are loads of. Uh, Loads of companies that turn out books specifically for lesbians, specifically women's books. I'm not sure a lesbian bonkbuster. I don't quite see how that... Mind you, if anybody could do it, Jilly Cooper probably could. Jilly Cooper could. Um, the, uh, the Ripper, seen out in public for the first time for a visit to the eye hospital. Uh, in life, in prison, for the rest of. He was seen at Frimley Park Hospital. And uh, families of the victims expressed anger that he wasn't even in handcuffs. He's said to have money to spend in the psychiatric hospital shop. He attends a ceramics workshop and twice-weekly Bible studies. And um, ten years ago, he paid a secret visit to the Arnside, to Arnside in Cumbria, where his father John's ashes were scattered. He was jailed in 81. Good God, was it really 81? But uh, anyway, apparently he's, uh, he's got uh, diabetes, he's got failing eyesight. Costs us £300,000 a year to detain him in Broadmoor. I can't help feeling a dreadful waste of money, which I'm sure you will agree with me. Uh, here he goes again. It's Prince Harry, not really doing anything. He's shaken a couple of hands, so that warrants another day out on the town. And here he is uh, out uh, at the rugby again. How does he manage to get tickets? That's what I want to know. You don't really think that they give him freebie tickets, do you? Do you think he gets free tickets? Why don't I get free tickets? I want free... Actually, I don't want to go to the rugby. I'm 
not my sort of thing at all. Here's little Charlotte Church, little photo opportunity. A fool's faith in authority is to... You can't read it, actually. It's an, an Albert Einstein quote, but she's written it in little children's colours because she's a bit simple here. And... Um, and uh, she uh, uh, was ridiculed in Michael Gove's speech for predicting a Labour election win. Such a fool. Why does anybody ever take any notice of Charlotte Church? Who is she? Nobody. Nobody. Absolutely a nobody. Uh, the deluge ending our Indian summer, the hurricane on the way. That's not good news, is it? And four in five savers who cash in the pensions are under 65. Uh, a giant leak. How do you grow giant leaks? The man who's got this one says he plays it Glenn Miller. He plays at Glenn Miller. TV cooks mustn't be fat, says Mary Berry. But, of course, she was a little chubby herself a few years ago. And uh, don't microwave sausage rolls. I've got to bring you this story because it's just driven me mad all morning. It may seem an innocent enough act, but warming up your sausage roll in the orange microwave may cause offence. Who in God's name is going to be offended by heating a sausage roll? Doing so could seriously upset colleagues whose religious beliefs prohibit them from eating pork, says new guidelines on the etiquette of using communal kitchens at work. Similarly, it would be best to avoid putting ham rolls in a shared fridge. Well, why don't they go and use another fridge? We'll have to have separate fridges for everybody soon. Adam Dinham, Professor of Faith and Public Policy at Goldsmiths, God blimey, has drawn up a religious literacy programme to be presented to employers this week. He said the microwave is a good one. We also say don't put kosher or halal and other special foods next to another food or, or God forbid, on the same plate. Halal and kosher food served at corporate events should be certified and thought to be given as to whether to serve alcohol, as the guidelines suggest. Oh, God, get a life. Please, God, get a life. I've never thought about that. I couldn't really care. The stuff in our fridges here. I mean, to admit some of it looks like it's still got a pulse and does bang on the door, but I've never thought about a sausage. I haven't actually found anybody in all my years in radio who's actually taken a, a sausage roll and put it in. Nobody does sausage rolls because it's not healthy. The people who use the fridges are the people eating salads and beetroot and stuff like that. You think, what's his title again? Professor of Faith and Public Policy at Goldsmiths. What in God's name? Well, that's somebody who's telling you not to. I tell you what, we're going to ignore you. I'm going to totally ignore you. I'm going to deliberately go out tomorrow. I'm going to buy some Greg sausage rolls and I'm going to heat them in the microwave because I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of anything nicer to do. A lot of you are quite agreeing with the Viking funeral in the boat. Uh, wicker coffins squeak, says Dean. And uh, James says, do you think that uh, uh, when many years have passed along and you have departed, you'll become a recipient of a blue plaque? Blimey. I don't know. I shouldn't think so, no. I don't... I, don't, uh, I mean, I, I'm always fascinated by blue plaques. I, every time I see one, I do slow the car down and go, who's that? And it tells you, and you think, I've never even heard of them. Never heard of them. But then the, the Dead Comics Society have actually, uh, have actually got those plaques all over. I love a plaque. I love a plaque. Andrew says, I'm listening to you through my right ear. The left one is completely blocked. Olive oil has not worked. No, you need to go and get something from the chemist for that because you have to be very careful with your ears uh, that, because it upsets your balance. And so you can, you know, you might sort of wander into things, which is not particularly good news. So go to the chemist. You can get something, and it's and it's very good. I don't know what it is. It's just something for sorting out ears, I suppose. Uh, a lot of people talking about Lord Sugar and uh, his his comments. 
And uh, Richard says, if you pay to have your groceries delivered, do you have the right when the delivery man arrives to say you don't want the bag, so he has to wait while you remove everything? Well, I thought that most of the stuff that seems to be delivered now comes in like a plastic case. Am I, am I, are there bags inside the case? I don't know. Uh, Frank Spencer making a TV return 37 years on. I think that's a brilliant idea. A brilliant idea. And uh, I thought it had to happen. Uh, Nadia, favourite to win this year's Bake Off contest. The inspiring story of the unlikely favourite. She says, I feared Bake Off fans would write me off because I wear the headscarf. No, dear, we'd not noticed. OK, you're the only one who notices it. We didn't notice. We don't care. All right? Makes no difference. It's a cookery programme. And you feared the Bake Off fans would write you off. What, because you're wearing a headscarf? Oh, blimey, please. Please, please, please. Uh, The Pope's plea for tolerance of divorcees. Isn't that funny? Tolerance of divorcees, but kick the gay priest out. They can't get it right in the Catholic Church, can they? They really can't. He says that the church must not be a roadblock for people who rebuild their lives after a failed marriage. Isn't that funny there? But uh, but they they don't do the gay thing. Apparently, Pope, gay thing, doesn't kind of you know, go at all, so they have to kick somebody out. But he's uh, he's paraded himself in front of the cameras now, thus embarrassing the Catholic Church. Why do they get it so wrong so many times? Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, 6.20 is uh, the time. Born on this day, Karen Keating, who died some years ago now. Uh, 2000, 2004, honestly, the Lord above. Uh, the Blue Peter presenter died after fighting breast cancer. She was a, a disciple of spiritual healing, whose practitioners can choose an animal spirit to guide them and to draw strength from. Keating's inner animal was a wolf, fearless, loyal and highly protective of those closest to it. God, 2004. It really doesn't seem possible. Uh, as you know, we are supporting this coming Thursday, Globals Make Some Noise. It changes young lives. It's LBC's charity and it gives a voice to small projects and it helps to change the life of disadvantaged children and young people in London and throughout the UK. And to do this, we are offering, as you know, unless you've literally just turned on the radio, some fantastic auction prizes. Uh, there's the trip to Washington, D.C. There's a couple of watches. There's a, a trip to uh, to see the Northern Lights. You can uh, go and watch... Is it Aston Villa he supports? I can't remember. Who? West Ham is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Couldn't have got it more wrong, could I, on that one? Ian Dale will now be throwing himself onto the floor, going, make him stop. Yes, exactly. That's the old David Cameron thing, isn't it? But uh, uh, I've got um, tea. Afternoon tea. That's what you can uh, bid for with me. And it'll be a chance for you and a guest to sip champagne with me uh, at the Rosette Awarded Podium Restaurant within the London Hilton on Park Lane. And it's an opportunity to sit down and uh, we'll have some scrummy sandwiches, gourmet sandwiches, uh, scrummy cakes and, of course, champagne and tea. And uh, we can sit down and just sort of put our feet up and have a good old gossip for uh, for a few hours. So if you fancy bidding for that, you need to go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and that's where you'll find full terms and conditions and details of all the other prizes and our thanks to the London Hilton on Park Lane for that auction prize. So we're looking for we're looking for some money to go to charity and you get the benefit of having the afternoon tea with me at the same time. So which is nice. And uh, so go and have a go and have a check out because it, all all the stuff is on there and you can see what the uh, what the latest bid is. I think it's 1020 pounds 
at the moment. Still is £1,020. Because me and Nick, it's, it's going to go, we're going to have to you know, sort this out because I, I, I don't want him to overtake me. Really. Mina says, Sainsbury's online shopping. Give you the option for carrier bags at the checkout. My driver told me about the new laws about a month ago, which I found very helpful. And uh, somebody else said that they might be doing It Ain't Half Hot Mum. Well, you can't do it without Windsor Davis, who lives in France at the moment, which is where they've got all the dreadful weather. The dreadful lovely boy. Yes, Don Estelle died, didn't he? Don Estelle died. Um, uh, Also, uh, Sainsbury's delivery, says Dot, offer choice of bags or no bags. Yeah, I mean, I don't... um, I do have... I've got loads of bags at home. In fact, I've got one bag with loads of b- bags in it. Doesn't make much sense, does it, really, that? But uh, they have there. Uh, cats fall from favour. More of you are opting for dogs. Christo's got two dogs. Why two? I've got no idea. Also, you know, one is a bit of a handful. But uh, the proportion of cat-owning homes fell by more than a full percentage point between 2000... Ooh, I mean, why do they do this? Who cares? You get people who are cat people, people who are dog people. Some people who've got cats and dogs. But why would they... This is a poll carried out by the University of Bristol. you think they have something better to do with their time. And the Cats Protection League. They surveyed more than 10,000 homes. I mean, don't they just do this to fill up pages in the newspaper so people like me will go, well, so what are you, a cat person or a dog person? I could see other people on lesser-known stations and lesser-known programmes going, well, call me now. Are you a cat person or a dog person? OK, we'll do a tally. It's like, you know, your favourite suite. If ever I hear that on a radio programme, it, um, off, off goes the radio. If I do it, everybody... I know, everybody will be doing that. So they, they'll all be doing the 5P thing and the cat and dog thing. You can guarantee it, because you can guarantee that all the cat owners will be phoning up saying, I've only ever had cats, and then the dog owners will phone up saying, I've only ever had dogs, and we've had dogs for a long time, and then the cat owners will phone up and say, well, we don't like dog owners because they had terrorised my cats, and then the dog owners will phone up and say, well, a cat climbed in our house and ripped the budgie out of its cage, you know, and all, and all of that kind of stuff. And then in the end, I go, who cares? The answer... The University of Bristol cares. I mean, they're so far away and so far removed from society. I don't care about them. The Glastonbury ticket's selling out. I don't even know who's, uh, who's actually uh, taking part. Yeah, Coldplay are favourites to headline, with William Hill giving odds of 4-1 to one on Coldplay. Pfft, who cares? Actually, I've noticed I'm saying that quite a lot today. You know that book I featured last week on the programme, which is the third book of General Ignorance? The, uh, the Daily Mail was so taken by me, uh, my reading of it that they've, uh, they've done a whole page on it. You know, they say, if you think cowboys wore Stetsons, think again, because they didn't. Cowboys wore bowler hats. Robins don't have red breasts. And the world's biggest pyramid isn't in Egypt. Uh, the French also weren't the first to eat frogs. It was Stone Age Britons. We discovered frogs because we'd be eating just about everything. Uh, the world's most overweight country. It's a, si- a tiny South Pacific island. The 10,000 people, it's called Nauru. Uh, the average body mass index is 34. Healthy range is 18 to 25. 80% of adults there are not just overweight, but obese. The biggest pyramid by volume is in Mexico. The Cholula Pyramid is... Oh, I've got to go. I just realised. It's a very good book, actually. And Juliet was not wooed by Romeo on a balcony. I think he was wooed all over the place, wasn't he? But uh, that was good. And the feckless father never got round to him. He owes his family 200 grand. He brags of living the high life on Facebook. Jackie McKinney, the court ruling says, you paid 200000 Oh, I'm having a whale of a time. But Peter, James and Jack are not having such a good time. And, uh, and his ex-wife, Debbie, is, uh, is yet to see a penny. Feckless father. Slap on the wrist for you, matey. Slap on the wrist. I'm going to be back uh, tomorrow morning. Do check out, please, the LBC website and the Make Some Noise. 
And I bet you anything, see if I'm proved right tomorrow with everybody doing the carrier bag story. You watch, there'll be pictures in the papers tomorrow of people fighting in supermarkets, people being clubbed over the head with a baguette or something like that. I'm not paying 5p for this, it's outrageous. Yeah, some, somebody will nick a shopping trolley and go, I'm not paying for this, I've a, a pound, I've got my own shopping trolley. You wait, I'm never wrong, never, ever wrong. Well, might be by tomorrow, actually. So,